Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and surprise, it's April Fool's, which means it's time for our annual rebrand. But where do you go after discussing the god-awful SAO manga? Why, the SEO anime, of course! To join us for this special bonus episode, the first and only installment of that time I started a podcast to watch trash anime with my friends, and actually most of them were trash. A.K.A. The Trash Anime Friends Podcast Hollow Realization, episode 51. The greatest trash anime's retirement plan. You know the drill, right? This is the show where three people discuss two arcs of one trash anime. We'll dissect what's good, what's bad, and what's trash of our chosen series, and then reflect on the legacy and impact that it's left in its wake. I am your forever host, Sean Art Online, joined by Micah's Rosario and Phil Bullet. How are you both? <laughs> I'm markedly worse. This, oh my god, let's never do this again. God, this one, this fucking, like, sucked. It's like a process. It's like, yeah, I'm just gonna watch this anime in a week. I was, I was gonna say... We say a week. All of yeah, us I, I, left I know, it yeah. to the end of the week. Like, we I had to edit the last episode. That's why I did it. But you two... I started on Tuesday. Yeah, I started around then as well. It's just... I, 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 I had a bit of a journey doing this because i could not for the life of me find the dub anywhere and you know i'm not paying more attention to this than i have to by reading subtitles so it was like i had to i had to go searching for it and then eventually ended up watching the sub because i couldn't legally find the dub anywhere which just made it take even longer i was like oh <laughs> i had to like focus on it because i don't speak japanese i like the fact that even even I'm gonna guess Funimation have like buried this so far. They're like, no, no, don't, don't do it. Well, Funimation actually has the dub version. It's the only place I could legally find the dub version. I don't have a Funimation account, so I went to Funimation and I was like, oh, you have to sign up for the account. Oh, that's that's fine. What do you mean it costs money? I don't want to pay money for Sword Art Online and nothing else. Like, uh, oh, oh, you can get a free account. Okay, a free trial. For you know what? Fine. If it takes me more than two weeks to watch it, I've already failed the assignment. So that's fine. I'll take my two-week free trial, go through the rigmarole, setting it all up, giving them all my information. Okay, go search for Sword Art Online. No, not that version. No, not that version. No, not that version. Oh, there we go. There's the original Sword Art Online. You need a premium account to watch this. But why? <laughs> what does the free account get me then? So, yep, didn't watch it there because I'm not paying extra money for this. I do, I do love that, websites that are like, sign up, and you're like, okay, cool. And then like, no, you still can't watch it, but thanks for your details. Yeah, uh, like there's there's a, a trope out there. Like it's, it's a scam, absolutely, but it's to scam people who like are a bit embarrassed about what they've done. Uh, but like um, there are various like porn and adult websites out there, which yeah, they'll be like, you could sign up for whatever a month, like £10 a month or whatever. Or you could sign up for £3 right now and get like, a week of free access or something, and you're and like the horny person's like, oh my god, yeah, that's great. I only wanted to use this website once anyway. That's fine. So they pay the three pounds, and they're like, ah, oh, yes, the trial account lets you look at what videos we have, not watch them. <laughs> it's like, man, fuck you. <laughs> you can't just let your horniness be an impulse. You've got to plan it out. Absolutely, it. yeah. Why even bother having a two week free trial if uh, you yeah, can't okay, watch I can't anything. help you on that part. That one's a bit. <laughs> Yeah, I don't get why, yeah, for a free trial... For a free trial, they're like, no, you, you, you're not allowed to trial things. <laughs> yeah, you can't trial the service. What are you talking about? Thanks for your details, though. We'll sell those. 
Oh, you fucking... Uh, it's right. fine, Mike. It's uh, go to Crunchyroll in a few weeks. So. I will say, if you'd messaged me, I would have just slipped you the five quid or whatever to watch it dubbed. No, I don't... I don't no, no. Don't, don't be justifying... No, don't give them money. Yeah, exactly. Like, don't, don't be <laughs> falling for their trap. No. <laughs> like, I did watch this in sub, but I honestly would rather pirate it at that point, you know? <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> like, fuck you, Funimation. Mike, we are upstanding people on this podcast. <laughs> we would never pirate anything. <laughs> The point is, this whole thing was a fucking journey. This was like, rather than the, I don't know, one R- to two rather hours. Rather discussing this show, we're discussing how we watched this show. I think it's important because, like, <laughs> to point out, because rather than like the one to two hours of like reading a manga or whatever it is that we're reading, this was a solid eight hours of paying attention to something. Like, it's not like with a manga, you can just like speed read the thing. It's not how it it's works. It's also very much like manga, you can. It, it's down to your reading pace. Exactly, yeah. Whereas anime, TV shows, it's like, no, they're, they're a fixed length. You can't, short of hitting it on double speed or something. Yeah, and it's like, if like you're reading a manga and something legit doesn't make sense, you can just start the page again. But then you have to go through the whole ring roll of like reversing the video, and if your internet's having a time, then that could be an issue. Or if they have ad breaks like Crunchyroll does. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah, ad breaks had those on my one as well. But yeah, it. I mean, nowadays it's just the case of you just hit left on your keypad like a few times. Mike. I can say I, I normally just hit left a couple of times. Since I'm never going to get to rant about this again, Crunchyroll's ads, right? They have super invasive ad breaks, like crazy invasive ad breaks on Crunchyroll. Yeah, I know if you pay for the premium, you don't get the ads. Oh I, shit, I is your that. ad block? That's the thing. It gets around my ad block. And I don't use ad block on like YouTube and stuff. Cause I'm like, yeah, I want to support the creators and stuff. But when they are that invasive, they are effective at getting around the ad block because they have four ad breaks per episode, regardless Jesus of what you're watching. Jesus Christ. And those <laughs> ad breaks are unskippable. They are up to three and a half minutes long sometimes. And they are the same adverts, not even a variety <laughs> of adverts. They just, and if it doesn't fill the three ad block, they play the same ad multiple times. Ah, <laughs> so annoying. Ah, oh, like, I, uh, spoiler alert, I guess, I didn't like this very much, but fucking hell, the ads made it so much worse. Oh, <laughs> that's the exasperating part of this. Like, there's plenty more bad, but the actual frustrating part was the fucking ads <laughs> well good news folks this isn't trash tech support podcast that's another time oh fuck me i could rant about the tech in this episode <laughs> you'll you'll get it you'll get your chance buddy we'll get to that i'll, I'll save you it, it's all a load of shit <laughs> i think you'll find half of it exists in the real world phil vr headsets exist okay the concept of vr exists <laughs> video games they exist <laughs> video games exist Everything else is complete and utter horseshit. <laughs> well, this is going to be a fun episode then. So, are we ready? And by ready, I mean, are we ready to put this behind us so we never have to discuss Sword Art Online again? God, we will. Yes. We will, though. We will, yes. But don't, will. Don't, don't say that to Phil. He needs, he needs all the support he can get right now. Like, legitimately, this is a thing I mentioned last episode. It's like, actually, it's last week this time. Yesterday, in fact. Oh, damn it. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, this is actually a thing we mentioned in the last episode. We 
actually, legitimately, every so often, Sword Art Online comes up in conversation. Well, of course it does. It's because Phil picks Isekai every other week. No, it's not even that. It's like we could be doing something completely unrelated. I remember we were playing um, uh, The Division at one point, and then we just randomly started talking about Sword Art Online because it comes up because of the sheer disappointment factor. Because of the sheer impact it's had. Yes. It's it's still relevant, is the issue. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, this time around, we have been watching Sword Art Online, known in Japan as Sword Art Online. This is an action-slash-isekai anime that aired in the summer and fall 2012 seasons for 25 episodes total. It was made by A1 Pictures, who have done Far, far, far too many series for me to list. They're probably like the top two, Dio, in terms of like output, in like, in terms of sheer numbers. Or maybe, maybe Telly, but um, either way, one of the top studios in terms of oh my god, they've made so much. And you can indeed watch this as we've alluded to earlier. It's on Netflix, Crunchyroll, and Funimation in various bits and pieces on the various services. Who wa- who wants to intro the premise? Even though we already did this last episode, sort of, kind of. There's games and brains in the games, and there's pains and in the brains. It's in lames. The games. <laughs> Nailed it, buddy. Perfect. <laughs> and you know some hefty incel vibes as well. I mean, let's let's start off on the positive foot because the first episode or two of this are brilliant. I would argue. Oh yeah, like, like for a solid, let's say. Five episodes, maybe? Doubt. You're being way too generous with five. I d- that is a big maybe. Like, for the first, like, while at least, this is the superior version of this story. I'm just going to say this off the bat. Uh, if it's a choice between the manga and the anime, watch the anime. Full stop. I was going to yeah. say, there's, there's no... There is no way that the manga is superior to this. Disagree. The only way the manga is superior is the fact that it's two volumes and you're done. Yeah, yeah. yeah this is what I was going to say. Uh, it's good. It's much better for a little while, but then after that little while, you realize, oh, so the manga f- was mercifully short because this just keeps going and it gets worse and worse. Like it, there's a peak around like what episode five or something, and then it just goes downhill. Hard. I mean, if you want the manga adaptation, you watch episode one. Um... And the last episode of the Ironcrad arc, yeah. I think you skip to like eight, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically, you go through like eight to ten, skip Yui. You do skip Yui. The second half of 13. Second I think. half of 13, and then watch episode 14. There you go. Done. That, that'll probably only take you about two hours. And in fairness to this thing, and we do need to be fair, a lot of the filler episodes between those are actually pretty good. Like, they have good ideas, at least. They flesh out the world a bit. Yeah, they're not great, <laughs> but they, you know, they're okay. Again, compared to the manga, they are the merciful filling in of details that you really need. They, they, they are necessary when you look at the manga, where it was just like, We've started playing the game, and two years have passed. It's like, yeah, no. This this just goes. We've started playing the game, and two months have passed. Yeah, it's like a month or two passes at the beginning, and like they're not even past the first floor yet, which I feel is a little unrealistic. But 
I really don't like that as a, like there's a bunch of times where the show will happily just mention something as an aside or as like a, oh here's a fact of the world and then either never bring it up again or in the context of the whole show it makes no sense and that's one of them considering the beta testers got to like floor eight in two months so how the fuck did they not beat the first floor in a month I, I think the idea sorry is that because it suddenly became a death game as they call it I think the idea was even the beta testers because they could only get that far in two months. And that was presumably with unlimited deaths, yeah. so they could just throw themselves at it. That was the general assumption I got, but I still think one month to not even beat floor one is a bit... Yeah, it's still a bit much. Especially because, yeah, you would get people who would just give it a go. And the first boss cannot be that difficult. Like, If we're to assume that this is the 1% difficulty versus the 100% on the top floor, then yeah, that's... No, <laughs> it wouldn't take that long, but I, I get what they were doing. And I do appreciate the attempt at fleshing out this world, which I feel like they do. Well, I mean, they definitely do way better in the anime because they actually do it in the anime. <laughs> you do get a much more complete view of the world for better and quite regularly for worse. Mostly for worse. Yep. Basically, the big issue, and this is something that a lot of the critics point out, is that it flips essentially from going from it's literally just the cliff notes and you've just skipped two years what the fuck to oh okay so we got all these side stories that flesh out the world but none of this is relevant it's all filler yeah. and that's the issue isn't it is basically it's it's all filler and your enjoyment will depend on how much how much do you like filler because i some of the filler i do enjoy like yeah i i freely admit i'm a fan of lisbeth so i mostly like her episode oh fucking her the one who, in the span of half a day, wants to bang Kirito and what get married. What is it and... with the ex the side female characters being like, yeah, Kirito's hyper fuckable. Like, I feel like even <laughs> Asuna has only known him like two days when she says we should get married. So there's known it. Asuna, it's implied, has known him for a while. The rest of them, by all means, yes, they have only known him for a day, and they want to jump on his bone. To be fair, oh, I think the, the one fuck? that gets me is Silica, the dragon pet. It's like. Issue number one, for some reason, Kirito's like, oh man, you remind me of my sister. You look just alike. And it's like, <laughs> no, she K- doesn't. Kirito, have you, have you seen your sister? Have you seen your sister, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I forgot that was a thing. Because you meet, when you see Yui later on, Yui looks far more like. Yeah, definitely. I mean, maybe the way that he that she reminds him of his sister is that she does, he doesn't want to fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then it's like, all throughout the episode, it's like, yeah, they're going on this adventure. And then it just ends. And. So it's like, oh yeah, that's great. Maybe, you know, when this is all over, we can meet in real life. You know, great. And then you get to the very end of the series, where, spoilers, you see everyone in real life. And there's this whole thing where all the female side characters are like, oh man, we just so want to ban Kirito. <laughs> yeah. Including Silicon. It's like, but there was, there was nothing there. Why are we suddenly <laughs> making there be a thing there? No. Like, don't get me wrong, it's dumb. I wouldn't say there was nothing. That, like, you did have the whole, like, doki-doki stuff throughout the episode and her blushing. Oh, her her getting picked up by tentacles multiple times, yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ, that as well. That did happen, yeah. A, a precursor of what was the covers we would find out. Um, <laughs> it's... We're skipping ahead here. <laughs> yeah, gonna... let's take it one at a time. No, I was going to say, no, Alf, we haven't got to Alpha yet. We'll get to Fairy Dance, don't worry, folks. Well, I was, I was saying, we're, we're already talking episode four. There's three episodes before this, Sean. <laughs> sure, everyone go that way then. Well, let's talk about the first couple though, because again, like the first episode is the first for the episode main, is genuinely brilliant. Like, Great. Hey, I'm not letting you log out. 
BT dubs, you die, you're dead in real life. Die in the game, you die for real. It did have my uh, favourite line, though, from Kyber. It was, uh, you may notice the logout button is not there. This is not a bug, it is a feature. <laughs> yeah, some straight-up tech talk right there. You know what? I like it. Is this whole show only exist because someone didn't want to do code review? No, because... <laughs> it's like, no, that's a feature, I swear. doesn't understand code at all, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because these first couple episodes, they are essentially the same as the manga. Well, the first episode is the first chapter and a half of the manga. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's the same gist. It, it, it ends, episode one ends with Kirito running off to that second village because apparently money and XP is limited. Limited resources, yeah. yeah. I think we talked about this last time and it's still bullshit here. It is bullshit, but I do think they try to make a better attempt at explaining it in this. I think the idea is not that they are literally limited. It's not that there's literally a finite amount of them. I think it's more that there's 10,000 people trying to get at these exact same resources. And so if everyone tries to get at them at the same time, then they are literally being split over everyone versus if you go to the next town, no one's going to be there yet. So you'll have all of them and we'll have to share with 999999 people. I would agree with this, Mike, except in episode two, where there's the big meeting where it's like, hey, we found boss one. And then we get the introduction to the prejudice against the beta testers. One guy's like, man, the beta testers took all the good quests. That is true, yeah. Implying quests are limited. But then we learn quests are actually repeatable, so how did the beta testers take all the good quests? I think it's because the guy was just an idiot. Like all people with those kind of prejudice, just an idiot. Can I point something out? You never see anyone actually doing a quest in this show. You do in the second arc. You also see Kirito in episode three doing a quest. Uh, which one's that? Uh, Santa. The, yeah, Santa. Oh, right. Yeah, that's not a quest. That's an event. Uh, it's an event quest, then. Because well, they, they, they actually reference that there are events in the game a lot. Like, a lot. But you never see anyone doing a quest. Like, ever. Yes, we don't, we don't see a traditional go-get-me-ten-wolf-pelts or whatever. To be fair, outside of, like, other characters referencing them, you don't really see NPCs or have, like, an NPC highlighted to you either. Yeah, not a lot. They, they definitely do focus on the characters. But there is a couple of times when you see NPCs. They'll be in the background, but I don't recall them ever interacting with one. Yeah, interacting not so much. Yeah, there's, like, an episode where they go back to the first town a while later, and they're like, this town is deserted, except for all the shopkeepers around. Presumably those are the NPCs. It's it's the same game. It is fleshed out a bit better. Sure as shit looks better. A1 Studios do a great job in like realizing what um Aincrad looks like right from the off. So like I do really like the show visually in terms of like even like the little things like the HUD elements look really good. Yes, the, it it does a good job of making it feel like a game. You've got the UI, you've got the the lingo as it were. Like, this show, legit, end-to-end, looks very, very good. I mean, especially by comparison to the fucking manga, which literally hurt <laughs> your eyes, yeah. Not hard. I'm pretty sure I could do better. I could draw better than a manga, and I am not an artist. I mean, I, say, like, I don't think in terms of, like, Sakuga, I don't think it's the masterpiece or anything like that, but I think they've nailed the style and aesthetic of SAO. Yeah, and, like, there's um, sometimes, you, generally you're just seeing people out in a world, 
but then every so often it inserts like game elements into the game into the show so like sometimes you'll see through their eyes and you can see a hud and a ui and stuff and like it's implied that that's what they're seeing all the time but don't even need to see through their eyes because something i did pick up on is that apparently everyone can just fucking see your ui or something yes everyone can see each other's huds which ties into some of the things they reference later but on. it's really inconsistent though because you can't see each other's level or something you can see what you make visible, but if you then see their own HUD, then you'll see what they see. Basically, you have to be smart with your HUD. This is a shitty plot point at one point where Kirito hides his level and suddenly that makes it his fault. Yes. <sighs> yeah. But that's, that's the whole point in that same episode. Someone basically looks over his shoulder and goes, oh, he's actually like double the level he said he was. Well, that's the thing. It doesn't. We don't actually see it in action, but they do describe at one point how one of the mechanics of the game is that you can... Basically, if a player's asleep, you can just use their finger to do whatever the fuck you want on their UI. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, you will accept my duel that I will kill you in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just casually do a duel to the death. Yep, alright. <sighs> yep, that's the thing. It's, it's one of the things like, why is this programmed this way? <laughs> sure. It's because, even though, as we said last time, there's no reason it's meant to be part of the social experiment idea, I think, of, like, would people kill each other? Yes. Oh, one thing they actually do in this, which is different in terms of social experiment stuff, in the manga, they have no idea what's going on in the outside world. In this, he actually shows them what's going down in the outside world. He, he does the show them, like, screenshots of a news article. Yeah, I mean, granted, they could be fake, which I think they do bring up at some but point. But that is also all they get. Yeah, that's literally all they get, but there is some indication of like, no, no, this is real, here's some new sites with it on. I mean, that's because, firstly, because again, with like the anime format, you can do more visually, and secondly, just to hammer home the gravity of the situation more than anything. I mean, trust me, more doing more visually would be, it is very much a godsend from last time. <laughs> Cannot discuss how bad the art was last time. I mean, we can and did. <laughs> I, I, not enough, in my opinion. It was tragic. But yeah, like this, this looked good, and it actually, looking at it, it's, it's actually a much more pleasant experience. It didn't make my eyes hurt. It does a lot of neat little streamlining bit, fun bits to that first that scene. So you get to see a lot of the side characters are in the square, and it will focus on them for moments. And uh, they, of course, they've got like the death animations and stuff, which does help. <laughs> which looks so much better in this. Yeah, they do, rather than just like shit just disappearing. Like, oh, it's gone now. Uh, they also flesh out the fights a lot more as well. I say, okay, I say a lot more. A bit more. There are fights. <laughs> there are fights, yeah. The fights do look pretty, like, I'm not going to say top tier, but they look nice. Yeah, there's actually one shot in particular that I forgot was in this, where, like, you get, like, this big panned out shot of a bunch of people fighting a boss, and you see, like, these sparks of color going off everywhere because that's their abilities activating. That's a pretty cool shot. It's a, it's a bit of a more simple one, but it, it's cool, and I like it. And, it's a good visual idea, and it's a shame that we didn't get shit like that in the manga, because, yeah, it actually looks good, and effort was put into this. It's one of those things where, throughout this entire thing, effort was clearly put into it by the people who made it, so I can't help but think the people who, like, animated this were just, like, sitting there animating, going, like, are you sure I have to do that? Are you sure that's what you want in this thing? Alright, it's what the script says. <laughs> I mean, it's a massive success story, Mike, so clearly they made the right choices, regardless yeah, of what we but, think. <laughs> I, I hate that this was a success story. I really do. 
Oh dear. To be fair, the yellow advantage obviously this has, and I, I'll bring it. I'm bringing it up early doors here, but um, obviously it has the soundtrack, which a manga doesn't have, and I forgot the soundtrack for this is a genuinely great for the series. Yuki Kajira. Ah, yes, that would make sense. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Big name in the anime soundtrack. But yeah, it 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 is a little cliche in the sense that it like um, it's a lot of uh, choirs and what I'm going to call yodeling. I don't really know yodeling what what whatever you call it that's very much their motif if i remember correctly i was going to say the the vocal tracks can be a bit distracting at times for me eh, nah. yeah no, I, I think it is is wildly pretty good and it fits which is weird considering and very dramatic <laughs> and you also get um probably the best well the brilliant opening that everyone remembers uh, crossing fields by lisa which is really really good mike's like yes there are songs yeah, there's music in this. <laughs> and it wasn't bad most of the time. Because, okay, so I think we've can est- we've established, and I think we can all agree that there are good points of this. Visually, it's good. Audio-visual, I think they nail, pretty much. Yep, like, absolutely. It's not, again, I want to highlight, it's not like watching, I'm banking on his name, a Makoto Shinkai film. Like, don't get me wrong, it's not at, like that insane tier. But for what it is, for a TV anime of, like, a decade ago, yeah, this is... Looks good. It holds up. Concept, of course, still fantastic. And I think it's made better by the extra fleshing out they do. That's still all I'm willing to give it because the actual story we get is shit. Yep. It's got nothing to do with any of the concept. Like, yes, this does some much needed fleshing out. But as we said, the fleshing out is all filler. So why bother with the fleshing out? There's this one episode early on, which is actually a good filler episode, which is like this weird detective whodunit thing that they decided to go with like it, it's a it's an earlier episode but it's like okay this is a filler episode but it's it shows you more about the world and discusses the rules of the world a bit more and like it establishes what the stakes are of doing certain things it introduces a bunch of ideas so you know it's fine it's world building it's fine but it's so irrelevant to everything and it has no impact on the rest of the story the only thing i would note on that is at the very least, at the end of the second part, it does provide an introduction to Laughing Coffee, the player killer guild. Yeah, which is just sort of like, by the way, this is a thing in the manga. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a thing, and then that that's... Whereas this is like, yes, these people are about, they've been killing people. Here's some of them right now. What this what that part two part particularly does, which again, the manga never had a chance to do because it just skips everything, is it tries to establish more of like... Kirito and Asuna getting to know each other outside of just now they're married. It's like no, here's where they were because they're more conflicting at this point in the story rather than worthy dovey. Yeah, the introduction to it actually shows them first meeting for the first time ever, even though they kind of forget about that, which is weird. Because the first time they meet is right before they fight the first boss. So this is like two months in, and but they meet and then they fight the boss together. Kirito has this huge monologue about... Kirito decides to play the villain for some reason. For some fucking reason, yeah. About like, hey, you guys you suck. I'm a, I'm a beater. I don't care. Like, what? Big group of them go to fight the first boss. And then just they're about to beat it. You know, the boss is down to the last phase. And the guy that was leading all is like, I've got this and charges in. And then gets fucking wrecked because, you know, no one thought, hey, maybe... Stuff's changed since the beta. Yeah. 
and dies. And then we find out there is a mechanic which is never brought up again, which is the last hit item or something like that. Last hit bonus, yeah. This is to provide a backstory for his coat. <laughs> yes, basically. Sure. But, uh, dude dies, Kirito ends up killing it, but then everyone's like, wait, how did you know that boss was going to like attack like that? Clearly you're a beta tester. Uh, uh. And then Kirito's just like, yeah, because I'm fucking amazing. You all suck. Eat shit. He basically does that to defuse the situation by making himself be the outcast. Uh, Which, don't get no. me wrong, it's done because it's, again, the twerp who'd already been silenced once, just being like, oh my it's, god. It's also, shit. it doesn't really defuse anything. He's there. G- well, it does because they stop. <laughs> no, because they're mad at, oh yeah, bait test, fucking worse, the cheating, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, fucking come at me. <laughs> it's like that that's not diffusing anything that's escalating well no because it fo- it like goes you from like being suspicious and hateful of everyone to now just you focus on one person individual the point is that prejudice is clearly never going to go away from some people so better to give them a, a point of hate rather than have them hate everyone and everything no nah, i disagree i don't think it diffused anything but this isn't even like the dumbest part of that scene or like the whole fight scene the guy who runs in and he goes like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to steal the last hit bonus, whatever. He runs in, he gets hit. He's like dying. Okay, cool. Kirito goes up to him. He's like, oh shit, here's a health potion. Like he's holding him in his arms, gives him the health potion because, you know, he might actually die. And like for reals, reals die in real life. And then he goes like, no, I won't take this potion. And then he monologues about how, like, oh, I was so arrogant. I thought I could win. And it's like, what the fuck? Just drink the potion, man. And then he dies. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? There's a great bit as well, just like right at the end where Kirito is monologuing to himself. Uh, no, sorry, he's, he's talking to Asuna, sorry. Just after he's done his big villain speech and he's walking off. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, you should join the guild if you find a good one, because there's a limit to what you can do solo. And then proceeds <laughs> to be the soloist solo player there ever was. Yeah, go to all lengths to never group up with people. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, don't get me wrong, the fundamental issue of the show of, like, a solo player beats an MMO, essentially, is like, uh... Like, can you imagine the difficulty of, like, any MMO out there, your Guild Wars or your Final Fantasies or your Warcrafts, Rocking up to any current level dungeon in the game and just soloing it. A proper raid, like not just like a story instance or anything, a raid. Or even a, just a story instance, you know? <laughs> not doing those things grouped up. And being like current level as well. Yeah, exactly. It's like you, you are level appropriate. You're not like massively over leveled where you could probably do it solo. I mean, in fairness, that is, I'd I, I say in fairness, that's the wrong phrase, but uh, like, we don't know like how level scaling works in this, so we don't really know if Kirito is overleveled, as it were. Okay, also, to be fair, with one exception, we're very specifically shown, we don't actually see Kirito soloing any of the floor bosses. He just joins in the raid as a solo player, which th- there is seemingly very little benefit to being in a team apart from this one switch mechanic which eh. kind of comes up in the manga as well kind of comes up but also eh. something to do with if you shout switch at the right time 
then you join on the end of someone else's combo is what I got. Yeah, I think it makes stun locking easier or something by the sound <sighs> of it. Yeah. It, it's just, it, it's irrelevant. It's super irrelevant. It feels less like a mechanic and more like this is just how you'd fight. Like, if the whole point of this is to be, yes, fundamentally be a game, but to have like the full dive experience, they call it. So, to be able to like be there and like have your arms and legs do the actual movements that you need to do, why do you need to have like a specific mechanic for this? Why don't you just hit them? <laughs> why don't you just take turns in hitting them? One thing that they clearly they don't feel, and this becomes up later, is pain because there's no pain. Except there is though. Episode one establishes nope, there's no pain, except all those times they're writhing around in pain. Yeah, apart from those, yeah. Yeah, I again, again, I feel like sometimes this show like gets the Pinocchio star nose and goes, oh, and this thing as well. And it's like, no, don't say that. You've contradicted. Oh no! <laughs> really hopes that you forgot about that last thing it said. <laughs> like throughout, there are times. Yeah, a lot, these. a lot. Once again, that comes up again later. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah, because then you get to episode three, where after after being told by. God himself, that there are no revival items in the game. Hey, there's a revival item in the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like there's no method of revival or no revival system. Or... Uh, yeah, I've got no problem with this because it's like a Christmas special one off thing. In general, I don't mind, but it's more just it's setting up the whole premise that this show just contradicts itself over and over. Yeah, like it's set up the whole premise that this show can't be trusted with its own rules. Uh, but again, considering the nature of that item, like it's literally you have to do it within ten seconds. So before someone's actually dead, I sure. Yeah, but again, fine. that is the very core premise of the show: is that you die, you die. Whereas this saying you die, you know what? We'll, we'll give you ten seconds for a takesy backsies. Again, I have no problem with that. <laughs> I would like to point out that this is also one boss which Kirito does solo. <laughs> It's because it's an yeah, it's an event special rather than a... sure, but it's still a boss that he soloed. Also, just just gonna point this one out. So uh, Klein makes his appearance here. Yeah, he's actually in this. Yeah, like, so a lot times. of side characters actually you know get to appear more than once. Yes, but you know he he follows Kirito to this event area, and then. Some other guild follows right behind them, and Klein's like, "No, go, Kirito. We will stop them." And then probably proceed to just like kill a bunch of dudes. Uh, no, they wouldn't have killed them because they would have retreated. Oh no, there's a lot of casual murder in there's this. A, there's a lot of casual dead people when Kirito returns. I mean, if they're not like disintegrated, then they're not dead. Exactly. So, but like, there is a lot of casual murder in this in general. Like, not just from like the Laughing Coffin Murder Guild. There's a lot. <laughs> a lot of people just killing people for the sake of it. But this is also the episode where we actually get Kirito's backstory of, uh, I was in a guild and there was this girl who I totally didn't sleep with. <laughs> totally. To totally didn't sleep with her. We get that one nice and early this time. Yeah, we don't just get that tacked on the end. Yeah, you actually get to see it unfold, even if it's a bit weirdly rushed in some ways. Because again, this has to be combined with the Christmas bit as well. Though, speaking of being rushed, and the fact it's Christmas, we start episode 3 finding out five months have passed, and they're now on <laughs> floor 28. So we've gone from a month to clear floor 1 to four months later being on floor 28. <laughs> I, I mean, again, I can believe 
don't get. I think it's stupid that they took themselves to clear floor one, but I can believe sure. that once the first one or two have been cleared, the floodgates have opened. Sure, I guess. It's just this weird. Well, weird at this point, we do just jump between the the two years, as it were, from floor to floor, from time to time. Yeah, and then like seven months passes, and they're on floor forty nine within the same episode. Even. I mean, I suppose it's just. I don't mind it as much, but I suppose it's just uh, being so very grateful that we actually got some time in between these two years. I was going to say, it was, it was nice for them to show the floor one boss. Yeah. Got to get that coat backstory. Like, to be honest, it's more just like, like, yeah, you know, you show them trying the first boss. That's clearly going to be an important one to show. And it's just then we don't see a boss until, what, shit, be the one in the floor 70s. Uh, 74. 74. The, the not, not Skull Reaper, the one before it. Yeah, you get a lot of fighting just random trash in this. And by trash, he means other players. <laughs> other players, yes, but also just like random boars or whatever. Random lizard men out in the world, but not a whole lot of like fights with actual consequences. Like, it's implied that think people die to like. Regular trash mobs all the time in this. Well, that's what you see with the film I have the name, The Guild of the Black Cats or the Black Wolves or whatever. Yeah, I've not got the guild written down, but yeah. Satchi's guild, basically, yes. as it were. The one, the one guild Kirito joined Asterix. Also, it's like a guild of six people. That's a shit guild, mate. Yeah, it's because they all know each other IRL. Yeah, but like, don't you need like 10 people to get a guild charter? God. Okay, buddy, sure thing. Relevant to insert particular MMO here. Yeah, that was that was the joke, yeah. <laughs> that's sure. But yeah, so he joins that guild, he hides his level because he doesn't want to be hated, I guess. He doesn't want to be outed as a beta tester. The the flimsy of like why do people hate okay, sure. But we have we've gone into that in the past. But uh then what happens is for some reason they managed to save up enough as a guild to go get a house, so the leader goes off to go get a house, and they're like, hey, let's go dungeon farming for more XP and money. And hey, let's go to like one of the harder floors. It was specifically, let's go to the front line. Yeah, because we're, do we're doing well these days, so let's go do that. And then let's go into this secret room, and let's walk up to this clearly unguarded treasure chest. And then they all proceed to get comically goober-stopped in about five seconds. And Kirito still somehow survived. Because he's the best. I mean, he is 20 levels higher, so I can... He is, but he was surrounded by who knows how many enemies at that point. Don't get me wrong, it's dumb, but, it's dumb, but I could believe that he... <laughs> well, yes, I can, if only because, like, in fact, next episode, he literally stands there and takes five people attacking him. He sure does. The show makes it very clear, very quickly, that he is essentially a god that will not lose. Capital G Gamer. Capital G God. <laughs> uh, if you're not putting a capital G on God, you're blaspheming, I'll have to know. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes me wonder, you know how there's, because this happens in the manga as well from last week, there's the, the big reveal of, I can do wield. Could he <sighs> do wield when those guys died in that room? Not at this point. They do mention he gets dual wield 18 months into it. Forgivable then, I guess. <laughs> he gets it for being having the fastest reaction times, even though the show will then point out on multiple occasions that Asna is the fastest character in the game. Yes, and while he is cheating, Heathcliff is also faster. <laughs> yes, also true. Uh, only when he cheats. Otherwise, Kirito is slightly faster. <laughs> <laughs> or 
so he can't give him. Well, he doesn't want to give himself that scale. Why not? He gave himself the other one. Yeah, but he's <laughs> he gives himself the other one to be the boss, as it were, rather than. I mean, why not just give yourself every skill at that point? Because he's fair. The whole point of it, Mike, is that he is in his very weird way. I, fair. I take offense to this statement i also do because he's literally immortal his hp bars never got into the this, yellow this is, a, is actually a thing that comes up this is when they're doing the murder kirito is like no no they couldn't possibly have done this method because the game is fair and it's like is it kirito is it yeah no i do think that like the rules are designed to not screw people so to speak uh, to an extent but yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, sleep PK is stupid, and like that's. I was not gonna say fair. that's the exact same episode where they say, "Yeah, if someone just like picks up your hand and hits the accept jewel button, you can just start murdering people." And it is also a case of because he is so strong. Of to him, it probably like yeah, it's it's all fair because I'm winning. Therefore, <laughs> yes, it's, it's fair. fair because I am the winningest. <laughs> therefore, it must be fair for everyone, right? It does try quite hard to structure itself like a game so like feel like a game that could exist in the world which does work except for when they break the rules because when they break the rules and they are inconsistent you're reminded wait a minute this is a video game it is governed by code code does not change because you feel like it it's governed by uh we'll get to that oh. <laughs> Don't get me started on the code aspect, Mike. Well, it, like, it just starts off like that very early, and then it grows into the, this complete incompetence later on. It grows into, no, none of this is code. Shut up. <laughs> it grows into, st stop talking. Like It was fine until you opened your mouth, and now <laughs> you've, you've introduced another five plot holes. <laughs> it just can't help itself. It can't help itself, indeed. But yeah, after... After the guild dies and you smash cut to the Christmas thing because this show loves to just cut and like it be done. Sure does. So then all the Christmas stuff we mentioned happens and gets the revival line. Yeah, gives a decline. Because that's the whole point for seven months. Kirito has been near suicidal because he let the person he said he wasn't going to let die die. So when he finds out about this revival item, he's like, "Oh my god, finally!" I can understand him being miserable. Sure. I like. No, I'm. I'm not saying I can't. Seven months. I get that survivor's guilt is a thing, but the logic is just weird. His logic is, if I hadn't hidden my level from them, then I would have saved them. It's like, how the fuck? <laughs> like, how did that affect anything? <laughs> that you hiding your level somehow got them killed? No, their own stupid logic and mistakes got them killed. Yeah, I get that survivor's guilt is a thing, but come on now. Also, then the fact he gets... A message from Sachi on Christmas, seven months after she's died. Yeah, she pre-recorded it because she's like, I might die soon. She pre-recorded it and was like, sup, I'm dead. <laughs> it's like, oof. And then she like sings to him as well. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> this is really messed up. Oh, that was sweet, Mike. Oh my god. <laughs> well, that's up. the whole point. She's just like, yeah, you know, don't beat yourself up. It wasn't your fault, probably. <laughs> and Kirito's like, ah, yes, that's great. That's all I needed to hear. I am now okay again. Um... Character development done. 
would argue that's not a thing that's exclusively done in SEO. You do often get message from beyond the grave to the protagonist. Yeah, it's still dumb in those as well. Again, I've never, I've no problem with that. It's just the fact Kirito is honestly depicted almost suicidally depressed at this point, and then he gets a message from the person he failed to protect in his mind. See, this is especially stupid in my mind because you do learn a bit later down the line that there is more than one thing to do in Sword Art Online. Like you can you can pick up and have a have a life here. You can like you can open a shop, you can just buy a house and just relax all you can the just time. Chill out, yeah. You don't have to fight. No one's making you fight. Like if you are genuinely afraid of death and you are worried that your skills aren't gonna be enough to carry you through you can be like, right, I know it's only floor 20, guys, but I can't do this. I'm going to die. I'm going to go open a cafe. Well, I think in her specific case, it's essentially peer pressure because she's with her friends. Yes, in her, that, that's kind of it in her case because they. one of the points is uh, the reason Kirito joins the guild is to help train her to be a vanguard. Because like, oh, we want her to change her role and she seems really reluctant to do it because she doesn't want to fight, funnily enough, can't say no. Anyway, after that, you then move on to Silica, who we've already discussed a little bit. She has the dragon pet. Pets never come up again for the record in um, any episode of the show. Kirito was kind of using her as bait for a person that was going to rob her. Uh, to try and take out a PK guild. I don't think they were trying to PK specifically. Because this is one of the other kind of weird mechanics that doesn't especially come up, is... Everyone's got a little indicator above their heads, which is a different color. And it's, it's green if you're an upstanding citizen. It's orange if you've committed some minor crime, like attacking someone or stealing. And then it's red if you've straight up murdered a person. But apparently it disappears, like if it turns orange at the very least. It's only orange for a few days. You only rob them a little bit. And yeah, basically, this person was in charge of an orange guild. And th the whole point is, this is just so you can have that one scene where Kirito is just standing on a bridge being attacked by five people and taking no damage whatsoever. No, Phil, it's so you can see Silica being molested by plants. Also, also yes, the tentacles. Uh, the first of many instances of a needlessly stupid, pointless fan service. Which actually, also, there is one thing that bothers me with this episode. Only one? All right. Uh, sure, okay, lots of things. <laughs> There's one plot thing that bothers me this episode. Again, only one. This episode of plot. Sure. So after they've resurrected her pet, which is the plot of the episode, decide to walk back to town. Why did they not just teleport? <laughs> That's the one thing that gets you. They 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 walked. They didn't teleport. Yeah, it's just, just fucking teleport. Because <laughs> it's pretty and they're relaxed, Phil. Some people like to walk through the nice flowers. Yeah, that's a weird thing about this particular episode. It introduces the idea that the floors have different like themes, which is fine, but is that weird? <laughs> no, no, it's it's weird because like this one floor is a garden. It's all a garden. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, this video game has the lava level. Here's the ice level. I, it's perfectly fine to be like, here's the flower level with tentacle plants. Yes. After that, you move on, and then you hit the two-part murder mystery, which is essentially about item durability more than anything okay it is yeah but the first part of this which is irrelevant to the rest of the everything oh this entire murder mystery is irrelevant to everything but... uh, yes but this is also irrelevant to that bit is we start with 
a grand meeting of the front line, being like, we need to kill this boss. And Asuna's like, oh yeah, let's just like lure this boss into this place with all these NPCs. To which Kirito gets weirdly upset over. He's like, how could you kill NPCs? And as soon as like, they'll, they'll respawn. They're NPCs. Not even that, though. We found out that the NPCs are immortal. Yes, we, we know they're immortal from later on, but in this particular episode, they also say they respawn. Another weird inconsistency, but again, it's just why uh, Kirito objects. NPCs aren't immortal? Yes, they are. They, they, we see in a, in a thing later on, basically when Yui shows up. She's not an NPC. Exactly. That's, that's the, one of the ways they say, point out she's not an NPC because NPCs interact with them in a certain way and it gives you like a shot of them being immortal. But that's the point. So NPCs aren't immortal, whereas Yui is different. I don't think it matters in either case. It doesn't matter. It, all that entire thing is there is meant to show that Asuna and Kirito argue a lot. They argue, and therefore they need to buddy up for a detective murder mystery. Which in concept is fine. It is, except the starting of that buddy up begins with the dumbest premise of Kirito's <laughs> taking a nap outside. Man, if only we weren't about to find out that's exactly how people would go about killing someone. Yep. <laughs> you can, if someone's just taking a nap out in the open, then someone can just rock on up to you. Rock on up, use your hand to accept a jewel, and then murder you. And then murder you and take all your shit. Well, Kirito's just happily taking a nap. But I mean, considering what we saw in the last episode, probably not worried about someone being able to <laughs> kill him. <laughs> sure, but the point is, is it really the kind of thing you would want to risk? I don't know. Like, this is, this is the first moment of character bonding we get with with Asuna and Kirito because he's like oh this is the this is the perfect season in SAO and I'm gonna take a nap here and you should nap too and then she lies down she takes a nap like oh my god it's the first comfortable sleep I've had since being here that's it's bonding it is worth like, the look, risk I, I, don't, I don't mind this I don't mind the fact that we are getting an establishment to their relationship there are many things that Sammy does wrong but it does pace out their relationship Oh, far better. <laughs> uh, right, right on up until, hey, let's get married. That's still just kind of out of left field. I mean, it is all trauma bonding, as we pointed out last time. Oh, uh, dear. I think my problem with the whole thing is, I have no problem with, like, saying that the murder mystery, but the solution is... There, there was no murder in the first place. Well, no, because they don't really ever resolve what the fuck really happened, if I remember. I think it's the husband. Or... They, they do. There was no murder in the first place. Well, no, because she's dead. Yeah, there was one murder. Oh, okay. Yes, there was that one instance. But that they established was the husband who hired a hired laughing coffin because he was like, no, she was going to divorce me in real life because she's so great over here compared to real life where she was so submissive and He got insecure because this show hates male characters who aren't called Kirito. It also hates female characters, just in general. It hates you for watching it. <laughs> Goddamn, like, the misogyny runs so deep in this show. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's like, there is the only, the only male character that is not actively shit to women is Kirito, but he's shit to women in a different way. Klein and Agil are both fine. That's because you don't see them interacting with female and characters Agil, typically. Uh, sorry, uh, Klein is actively like 
pervy to women as well. <laughs> like he he pervs on women a few times in this when you do see him. But Kirito is different in a different way. His misogyny is completely different. Kirito is white knighting a he lot. He absolutely white knights everyone. It's like I am the only one who can save people. He does it with Asuna, which on occasion is somewhat believable because they're apparently so in love. But he does it with every female character he ever meets. He's like, no, I will be the one to take the risk. You couldn't possibly. Even though Asuna, especially Asuna, is like equally capable to him. It's really dumb. If the idea is that this is an escapist power fantasy, which Isekai is, then this is not the kind of power fantasy you should want. You shouldn't want to be the only, quote, nice guy in this world of molesters, thieves, and rapists. You shouldn't. And it's... For some reason, that's what Kirito is being shown as. His misogyny is less obvious, but just because it's more subtle doesn't make it better. It's the females can't do anything for themselves, so I have to do it for them. Exactly. It's like, it's not okay, man. And that's the idea that this show is putting forward, that this is the ideal attitude to have. This is the ideal male, is someone who will milady everyone and just be the person they need in every situation because they are completely incapable of doing anything for themselves. I am the only one who must take the risk. No, no, no need to thank me. Ugh, it's it's tiresome to see that kind of horrific stereotype being portrayed as the as, as the hero of the story. I mean, hell, we even get like outright told that later on that he's super special. He was meant to be the protagonist of the game. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to the old chosen one bit. It's just gross that it's held up with such high regard. So the murder mystery is someone dies in a town which we're told is supposedly impossible. Towns are safe zones. But here we see a person dangling from a clock tower with a sword through him and, oh look, they've died. Except we find out what's really happening is their armor durability hit zero and that makes a similar looking effect. And they just use a teleportation crystal at the same time. Haha. <laughs> and they're doing all this because two of them who used to be in a guild together. Are... That's my big problem, because there's the whole backstory they were in a guild together, and then the, with the one who actually died for like six months prior. Uh, sure, okay, but firstly, they waited six months. Secondly, the whole plan seems to have been to terrify this one other person who was in the guild, that he confesses whether he did or didn't, and then that's the end of their plan. Then, then it was go to jail, because jail is a thing in here apparently. But it wasn't that guy so the plan's just, that's it. Well, that's uh, okay, I, I suppose the point, in theory it wouldn't end at that point like, bear in mind they don't know who actually killed him, but they suspected this guy was at the very least involved, and then he confesses to the involvement, and then presumably they can lock him up and be like, cool, like who, who did it there? I think like, they, they've shot their shot at that point. And also, one of the other fun parts about this murder mystery, and I could get if it was like over the course of an hour that this wouldn't have come up, but it takes them several days. There's a giant rock on floor one that tells you who's alive and dead. Yeah. Why not just check on that? And oh, no, even better, Sean. At one point when they think it's all over, when it's not, you've got Asuna and Kirito just sat chilling and apparently. Asin has the shocking revelation of checking her friend list. And being like, wait a minute, this person's still online. 
Well, they originally figure out that it was a durability thing because Kirito drops a sandwich and it breaks because the durability and it ran out or something. Which, okay, that's fine, I guess. I mean, I've I've watched House and I've seen worse inspiration moments. But it's the whole, the friends list thing was just like, you fucking, what? You, you didn't check that? A simple look on your friends list if you don't want to walk over to the rock. Because, I mean, assuming that you're that you're still on the friends list if you're dead, maybe that's the issue. Uh, I mean, in, in either case, the point is you can at least be like, hey, look, this person is still on my friends list and they're online, which clearly means they're alive. Online does equal alive in this game. Although, uh, brings me to my other gripe with this, which is at the end of this episode, we see an actual literal ghost. We do, actually. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. No, no, stop that. <laughs> People are dead. Stop this. Eh, you can have ghosts. It's fine. Whatever. No, because then they can come back alive after the game. It's not what a ghost is, Phil. <laughs> ghosts don't I mean, come back it, alive. In this sense, yes, it is, because it's just data on a fucking server. Which gets wiped after the game. So. No, no, I'll get to this fucking point. <laughs> oh dear. Right, next episode. Um, Lizbeth. Oh, Kirito's just an ass in this episode for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, pretty much. He goes in. He wants to get a sword. He breaks breaks her best sword. Don't think he pays for it. No, I think they're sort of talking about it, and then she's like, oh, I can make a better sword if I've had the materials. And he's like, well, let's go get the fucking materials then. God. God, you stay here. I'll go get them. Yeah. Like, oh, this doesn't show up unless you have a blacksmith in your party. All right, that's weird, but sure. She's bullshitting, Mike. Yeah, I got that. To be honest, that's one of those things where I could quite easily believe is the case. And then over the course of not even a day, like a night, she falls in love with him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the implication is that she is looking for someone to fall in love with because Asna's having success with her love life. Don't get me wrong, the fact that in over the course of literally like half a day or so, she falls in love with Kirito, who, as you said, is kind of a jerk to her, to put it mildly. This is also after he's handed her some, some dragon poop. Okay, okay. It's full damage thing in this game, because... <laughs> yes, it is, because you see people throwing themselves off buildings at the beginning, because they couldn't handle it. No, they throw themselves off the edge of the world. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think what you're gonna... I think the implication here is, because yes, full damage is a thing, I think what you're on about, because they fall a long way into a giant pit, is Kirito... Uh, yes, because 10 out of 10 level design for having the hole you can't get out of. Just a random hole you cannot get out of unless you ride the dragon. <laughs> Hope you didn't kill the dragon. Hope you didn't kill the dragon. It's fine. I've done a problem with that. It, why the I, dragon I lives do. in a giant hole? It, it, who knows? It's fine. Not only lives in the hole, but poops in it as well. He poops well, in yeah, it. Yeah, because he lives there, Mike. <laughs> I'm going to break this to you. I poop in here, this house as well. I mean, true. I do poop in my house, but I don't poop <laughs> on the floor in my house. Do your cats? No, not anymore. The reason I uh, bring up fall damage is because, yes, they fall in the hole. But then they get shot up way the fuck up into the sky and is fall damage a thing? Who knows, because we cut away. So. Because we cut away and they're still alive. They are still alive, so I'm going to go with no. It is, but Kirito is so super special he can just tank it. He's so super special, he gets his dragon poop sword and we don't see it for a couple of episodes. Which they do bring up at that point in a few episodes. In, in a few episodes they kind of do, yes. But the point is this sword is super special and presumably it's better than his existing one. 
Well, because this existing one is also super special. And we didn't get an origin story for that. I feel cheated. Yeah. We got one for his coat. Can't ask for more. <laughs> I think the crystal dragon you see in this episode is also the first big use of CG in the show as well. So it, and it looks all right. I say I forgot. I couldn't remember how good 2012 CG would use. I don't remember any CG being particularly bad in this. No, it's it's not like say early Netflix CG where it's like <laughs> Jesus Christ and me. But uh, it's fine because then we get to episode eight where the plot comes back in. We're back to the actual plot. Like, oh shit, there's a story in this story. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be given credit, I don't know how you would write your way out of that, considering the material basing it off of is literally, here's the plot in book one, and here's side stories in book two. <laughs> it, it, the, the plot is, and then two years passed. How do you fix <laughs> yeah. the author's colossal fuck-up? <laughs> I don't know, adapt to something better? I... <laughs> <laughs> like, hire him to write some plot in the middle? Uh yeah, well, they had adapted something better, but no one watched Excel World, so, you know. But yes, two years have passed. We're at floor 74. My notes on this are actually surprisingly short. But I've got a note here of apparently all the betas, which was the derogatory term given to the beta testers. Beta test cheaters, all, yes. All they care about is themselves after two years of being discriminated against. Who would have thought? Which, as we pointed out in the last episode, it had balanced out by this point. It is, because actually we do find out as well in episode two, when this first all kicks off this discrimination, the beta test has actually provided a guide to give out to everyone free of charge. Yeah. This is like uh, Agil's introduction, pretty much. Because uh, you get this guy who does apparently come back into the story, rocks up and says like, hey, all the beta testers are cheating. They're assholes. They're stealing everything. And then Ego's like stands up and says, like, yeah, did you get one of these books? They're free from every shop. And yeah, it's filled with information that the beta testers found out. So um, stop being a dick about it. Prejudice is blind to reason. So is idiocy. Sure, but it's just, it, it bothers me on this point where it's like, how dare all they care about is themselves when it's literally two years of them being quite literally discriminated against. It's a full-on surprised Pikachu. It's like, <laughs> what? They only care about themselves, but all we've done is isolate and exclude them for no reason. Again, having lived in the real world, entirely believable. Yes, I, I'm sure. Just... Sure. To be fair, one of the things I did like in this episode was that, unlike the manga, uh, they don't throw cooking skill under the bus. There's no, <laughs> there's no, why would you level that up? It's useless. Like, no, yeah. because to be fair as well, in this version, they don't make any mention of skills being you only having a limited number of skills. Yes, that's true. So there is no reason you couldn't just take the cooking skill as far as we're aware in this. Uh, do you know what they also don't do in this version, which is like, thank God, they don't devote an excessive amount it's of no screen time. Code. <laughs> oh no, not, okay, not that, <laughs> but we'll no get to that. Code. That's not where I was but going wait, with Wait, is this. that a good thing, Sean? <laughs> they don't devote an excessive amount of time to haggling with Agil. No, you that that interaction has already passed by the time we get to his shop. Oh god. He walks out of the shop and Agil is like, that was a good deal for me. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh thank God. <laughs> this is like the this is the episode where you get the the real interaction with Agil the first time. Because is this isn't isn't this the same one with the the S rank ingredient thing? Yeah, that's uh the rag out rabbit. Yeah, because this is where you actually get proper a proper like character introduction to Eagle after his defense of 
the beaters in episode two. And yeah, it's actually nice to not have it just bogged down with unnecessary shit. Because good God, that was one of the more painful parts of the manga. It was just, hey, we're going to have to devote a couple of pages to just talking about how I want to get a good deal on this thing. No, you can't get a good deal on this thing, but I'm going to get a good deal. Okay. Didn't do that. Great. Like, more of that, please. <laughs> then we get to the part where the misogyny returns for Asuna because after proving she doesn't need Kirito to protect because she's such a great player, she immediately goes, Kirito, no, please protect me. <laughs> this man's trying to bodyguard me. Yeah, yeah. This is um, moments after she falls through a teleporter. Yeah, the lucky pervert moment. The lucky pervert trope returns, of course. Same, same as it was in the manga. She, for some reason, doesn't teleport like a normal person and falls boot first into Kirito. I can only assume it's because she's trying to run away from her bodyguard. Maybe, yeah. They didn't need lucky pervert, no. And then he starts just like squeezing, going like, "Ooh, so what is this?" Yeah, squeeze, you know squeeze. the usual trope so is like, soft, "Oh my yeah. god, what what is this boob that I am groping?" Couldn't possibly so be soft. a boob. There's a person on top of me, and I'm <laughs> groping a boob-shaped object. But what could it be? It's so soft. Oh, fuck off! I hate that trope so much because it's just lazy. It's so late. Like, there's never a variation on it. It's always the same. Ugh. Be better, writers. Be better. So tiring to just watch it every time. I'm like, I'm, I'm tired of arguing about it or talking about it. Sorry. <laughs> it's just come on. And I, I hate that I have to point it out every time. Like, I have to call it out because it's just, oh god, be better. Stop this. Is there anything else on episode eight? Because that's the end of my notes on episode eight. That's pretty much it. He duels the um the guy. I haven't even read his name down because I don't care about that much. The bodyguard man. Jules the bodyguard. Not beats him. That guy's like, I'll remember this. A random laughing coffin guy's there for some reason. Yeah. But then we move on to the next episode, which is essentially the back end of the floor seventy four plot arc, with um them going up to the boss and. A whole lot of, uh, really, moments in this one. Why do you only use a one-handed sword, Kirito? Yeah, Kirito, why do you only use a one-handed sword? No reason. Okay. It's like, all right. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realise. I, I forgot it's impolite to ask about skills. It's like, no, no. <laughs> ask him why he's only using a one-handed sword. Why isn't he at least using a shield, maybe? Or two-handing that bad boy. And then my favourite part of this is... Uh, Klein turns up, and Kirito just looks fucking depressed AF. <laughs> just every time Klein's on screen, Kirito just looks depressed. Which, considering all Klein does is be Kirito's wingman, is like, god damn, This is man. the thing, like, because we find out later it's basically because Kirito feels bad for abandoning Klein at the end of episode one, even though Klein was like, yeah, fucking go. I'm gonna be with my friends. Fine. Go for it, buddy. And Kirito's still just like, no, how could I have left him? How could I have left him? Clearly he's living an inferior life because of it. How could I have abandoned him? Like, you didn't. He asked you to leave. Like, he's a leader of his own guild. Pretty successful one by the side. Have you seen it. his gear? He looks like a badass. He, he makes it to the end and he's actually fighting the final boss, as it were. Like he's on the front lines with his guild, yes. He's doing fine. He's alright. He's playing with his friends as well, presumably. But speaking of guilds, you get the 
first. And fortunately, not only, I'd forgotten they do crop up later on, barely. But uh, here comes, like, the People's Liberation Divine Crad Army Guild thing. Yes, the, the one where it's basically like, everything should be split between everyone. We're all in this together. Goddamn commies. <laughs> yes, basically. Who show up and are like, thank you, and then proceed to stupidly challenge the boss yeah, for some why? reason. They're like exhausted, which is apparently a thing you can be in this world. And they're like clearly on the verge of death, but they're like, no, we must forge on and fight. No, no, you don't. You just, just leave. You can teleport. Rest. <laughs> leave or, you know, wait for those other people you saw earlier to come back and. Yeah, just. Also, yeah. Like the, th- the thing for me was when they first find the boss, Kirito and Asuna are like, oh, yeah, we're going to need like, all these people with all this gear, take it on, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, you get a handful of people from the army move in. Like it looked like maybe seven, eight people, something like that. And then when they start getting their asses kicked, Asuna runs in because she's like, no, I can't just stand by and watch. And then Kirito and Klein run in after her and it's like, this seems like a bad idea. Yeah, like you, ex- you, you discussed just established that, that like this is a terrible idea. This is going to get you killed if you try this. But by this point, remember Kirito, like for better or worse, Kirito's mentality is no, nobody can die anymore. Nobody. Uh... I mean, to be fair, I'm pretty sure the only reason Kirito goes in is because Asuna goes in. Yeah, he's super happy with letting the army guys die. <laughs> Which Kirito also then gets thanked for at the end of the episode. Oh, thanks for running in and saving them, Kirito. And it's like, yes. no, Asuna. Asuna ran in, Kirito followed. Yes. <laughs> and Klein followed him. We know who Klein's after. <laughs> but yes, but then here comes, it doesn't matter because Kirito can dual wield. <gasps> and it's like, why, why is he not been doing this all the time? And apparently it's so overpowered, he solos the boss. <laughs> he does, yeah. So why is he not always using it? He's had it for six months, we're told. We touched on it in the last episode, but yeah, the logic is that he doesn't want to be found out, as it were, and have people all over him he, he can literally solo a boss with it yeah i have a counterpoint to to his logic like who cares i mean he does that's the problem mike why does he care he's, he's already a solo player why does he care and like it's clear that the average player just simply cannot kill him like couldn't if they tried like we established that in the earlier episode with his hp regeneration like yeah average players could not kill him and People at the upper end, why would they kill him? <laughs> it's pointless. So but then the paparazzi's all after him, Mike. So you know, <laughs> sure, the Einkrad paparazzi. <laughs> <laughs> who cares? Like, who gives a shit? And for some reason, he's like, "No, I must hide this." Is and I now in the middle of this combat. Which bear in mind, he rushed in to save people. He knew this was going to go south real fast. He's like in the middle of combat. I have no choice. Quick, hold them off me for 10 seconds so I can pull this shit out. So what the... You knew this was going to happen. This is my issue. It's like, literally, if you're walking into a boss fight, you should just always have that second sword out. You yeah. don't want to be going, guys, can you just like keep it off me for 10 seconds so I can pull out my other sword? Got to do some quick menuing. Yes. <laughs> do it before the fight starts, Kirito. Or just do it all the time. Yeah, just, just always have that. I mean, counter-argument, Phil. We don't see him fight any of the other floor bosses, so for all... <laughs> okay, we don't. But... It's true. You don't see anyone fight any of the other floor bosses. No. 
No, no, we, we're about to see one more floor boss, though. Oh, David, we're I getting suppose, there. I suppose technically two. Technically but... two, yeah. Not quite there yet, Sean. No, not quite there yet, because awkwardly there at the end of the episode, it's like, I um, request for leave was refused. Here's Heathcliff. And then, yeah, that leads us into episode 10, where we meet, finally, Heathcliff, leader of Asner's Guild, and, as we'll find out later, the guy who made SAO. Kind and of. the story fucking tangents <laughs> it like is okay here's a coherent plot let's go that way we're not quite a tangent yet are we not all right no this is the, this is the actual plot mike and heathcliff is like cool fight me so so they have a duel very specifically one strike mode which they proceed to then hit each other several times it, it doesn't count unless it counts <laughs> apparently because they proceed to strike each other several times <laughs> I think the idea was to do damage to each other. Like, if you do, like, one hit of damage. But they noticeably get caught. Oh, in that case, I don't fucking know. Weirdly, this is one of the few things the manga does do better, because I'm pretty sure on the manga it says, like, it's the 50% health, basically. But, yeah, either way, they do the big duel that everyone there to watch, and thank God in this version you get a far better interpretation of Heathcliff god-moding. Yes, it's, it's actually very clear what's happening there, because it's almost like time quite literally freezes. And his shield moves to block the hit. Yeah. But uh, unlike the manga, Kirito doesn't question this in any way. He looks at it, but there's no monologue or anything. There's, there's no monologue, but he's like looking at it. You kind of get a shot of him thinking like, that. that's a bit weird. But he doesn't address it in any way. And indeed, he doesn't get addressed until the end, basically. So if you don't know what it's about, you're probably just looking going, um... Okay. <laughs> yeah. Was that important? <laughs> was I supposed to take a note of that? Yeah, it's. Uh, I I think the implication because we also get introduced to how he's one of the only other people with this unique skill beforehand, which is why he's such a tour de force. And it's. Uh, I think the implication is meant to be that's his unique skill kicking in. His unique skill, I think, and it doesn't explain this in this version either, is that he can use his shield for offense. Whack people with his shield, yeah. The only thing it says is his his offense is really powerful, but his defense is out of control, or something like that. So it's really not clear. But yes, they also do make a note of pointing out that Kirito gets whapped with the shield at least once. Because, you know, he's the only one who uses the parry button. Yep. So Kirito forced to join the guild, and then we get the thing that was also in the manga of random villain McGee in The Knights of Blood and his whole plot. But th this version's better than it is in the manga. It is way better than it is. Because they in don't the have manga. the random additional person for starters. Because Kirito's joined the guild, he's got to go on the guild training expedition, and therefore we have to take away all of his crystals. It's so dumb. Because <laughs> they say, we need to see how you work in dangerous situations. So we're going to take all of your crystals, including all my teleport and healing crystals. Yes, the very same. Here is two crystals. It's, it's also just like, even if it's for training, why would you take all the crystals? Yeah, like, like, what if there is a legitimate need to use them, such as this very episode? <laughs> it's so stupid. Because the bodyguard Asuna got, oh no, he's, he's evil. He's working with Laughing Coffin. Ah, uh, he's come for revenge, I guess. He also immediately puts on... He goes from a little bit creepy to putting on full anime evil face. Uh, and then, you know, starts, he, he kills the other guy, the with, and then while Kirito's still paralyzed, he starts stabbing him. And Kirito's, you know, screaming out in pain from all that pain they can't feel. 
Also, doesn't his regeneration that we established in episode two or whatever, three, doesn't that kick in at any point? Presumably he's taking more damage than he can regenerate. But he's monologuing while he hits it. <laughs> <laughs> he's got time. He's got a lot of health, Mike. It takes time to kill him. <laughs> but it's fine, because then Asuna makes it there to save the day, even though she only set off after Godfrey died and they've presumably been travelling for half a day. Uh, she's super fast. She's super, apparently. But apparently not as fast as Kirito. Yeah, super fast, but not fast enough to get the dual-wielding skill. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, the thing that I have known from this is then that later on, once he gets unparalyzed, they cleave his goddamn arm off. And I was like, is this a, is this a system? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he comes up again later. Well, he, he gets some sort of status effect or something, it's implied at that point, but then his hand's back. But then he's dead anyway. Oh no, he doesn't. Oh no, he... does he die? Yes, he does die. Kirito kills him. Oh no, yeah, Kirito's straight. There's, there's not even any discussion like in the manga. Yeah, like in the manga, there's this whole like, no, you can't kill him. This, you don't want the weight of that on your soul. In this, he don't give a shit. He just like he just straight up murders a dude. Just kills him. Yeah. Just straight up shoves his fist through a guy. To be fair, I don't, I don't mind that necessarily. Like, dude was gonna kill people. Has killed people. Like. Yeah, but then they just don't even talk about it. I say, oh, no, I get that like he was a, a, like an evil person, and ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, it's okay probably that he died. But he, there, there's room for a discussion there. He's sure. Uh, but then it's like, let's just fucking get that married. Trauma. Let's go away. Let's retire to a nice little cottage. Let's, let's get married. Off screen. Yeah. They get married and move in together in the space of a day. But no, no, because you know what you've got to do after you decided you want to get married? What's that? You have to go tell your guild leader who says, no, fuck you, you can't leave the guild. Yep. Even though they can. They, they can't stop you. Like, yeah, if, if you want to leave the guild, just leave the guild. Yeah, just walk off. I, I mean, we don't, know, we don't know how that works in this world, in fairness. We, we don't, but just, just leave the guild. What are you going to do? Fire me? <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It's like, oh, oh no, I won't do anything for the guild then <laughs> yeah like oh no i won't fight on the front lines with you as one of the most powerful players in the game what think it out <laughs> like, it really is just like how, how do you see this going like i get if he's saying like please don't leave we really need you out there you're one of the most powerful players in the game but he's like no i won't let you go because we knew you're needed here it's like what the f no that's not how that works you can't stop them heathcliff relents he's like right you can't leave the guild, but you know what? Go have your honeymoon, I guess. Essentially, you've been through a lot. Yes, you can have time off to, you know, mentally recuperate. That was how I read it, basically. Sure. And do you know what I like to do after I've gotten married? Adopt a kid. Wait, no. First, you've got to go fishing for a whole episode. <laughs> no, we haven't got that yet. Fishing was after, Mike. Yui's first. Can't go fishing until you've got a child, Mike. Just, just let me put off the yui saga as long as possible please oh no no we're, we're here mike oh and this is the part where the show goes from a little intolerable to actively painful oh jesus because you know you're walking around you find a missing child why don't you adopt them that, that's how it works right you just pick up a child in the streets <laughs> it's a little more to it than that because well, this child just appears in the middle of the forest like literally spawns out of nothing and is a complete enigma in the sense that not a player because they have any of the player shit on them and not an NPC because 
doesn't have any of the NPC shit on them. So it's, a, it's an absolute enigma. And so they, they're like, all right, well, maybe this is a child because there are children in this game. And so we're going to figure out where this child came from. No, no, no. They adopt the child first, Mike. Of course. Like the idea of finding out the child's parents comes later. The child, Yui, calls them mummy and daddy, which is very creepy. Because they are 16 and 17 year olds. Because it's, it's, it's whatever the bird thing is. I forget what it's called. Implant, implanting? Imprinting. Imprinting. Something. That's it. She imprints on them. Except she doesn't, as we find out later on, but sure, she imprints on them. Yeah, it's, it's just very creepy and weird. Because, like, they, they... They are so on board for it. So on board. To be honest, the, prob- the problem I have is, like, after this, you have the shot of them in their cabin in the countryside. And it is, like, that sort of picturesque, stereotypical family where, like, the mum's like, oh, here's, here's dinner, and the dad's there drinking his coffee and reading the newspaper. And Charles like, oh, I want to show I am such a big girl to daddy by eating his spicy sandwich. And it's just like, fucking weird. It's so weird. Like, it's just got this, like, air of, like, I don't feel okay watching this. It is teenagers playing house. Yeah, it's... Mm. In a very serious manner. And it's like, mm. Like, so serious that it's creepy. And, like, it just happened as well. Like, they get immediately on board with this plan like there's no like bonding over time or anything like that no 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 this kid these are my parents now we are family and no one questions it and at this point i'm pretty sure they're like 15 and 16 or something 16 and 17 ish yeah like around that so it's (laughs) this is also (laughs) the first time that asana questions how old kirito is (laughs) <laughs> it's like, oh no, <laughs> that was a concern. Didn't you guys already bang ethics code, notwithstanding? But there is no establishment of an ethics code in this version. I mean, Mike. is that better or worse? It's better that they don't go into that at all. Like, there's not like there's no reference at all to the whole glopping stuff and the the, the <laughs> man from the light novel here. That's just completely skipped over them right now. The end. Move on. I mean, they they do. There is the same scene of her getting undressed and then her saying hey take your clothes off oh no actually i just wanted to sleep in the same house as you none of that well i mean that is there but none of the glopping as you put it (laughs) they don't go into a sexy sexy rendition of what is an ethics code and then we also didn't have to discuss it as a result but here we are but here we are yeah but you know do you know what Sounds super ethical, Mike. <laughs> Murder? <laughs> Bringing a traumatized child into dangerous dungeons because she wants to go there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even before you get to that, what gets me is that at one point they're like, oh man, let's go to like the SEO equivalent of the orphanage, I guess. At which point you see a fucking giggle of like 12 year old or under kids running around. I'm like, who the fuck let these people play Sword Art Online? Or did you let them play Sword Art Online? There's only. There's only 10,000... In this version, by the way, there is only 10,000 copies. Yes, it makes it very clear that there is currently only 10,000 copies. So 10,000. So assuming all 10,000 of them logged in, which led to is, is the case, how many of those were kids? How did you? How did all of these kids get a hold of this? How did they get a hold of it? 
why did the Nerve Gear not be like, no, like, does it not have an age limit? This kind of thing. Because you can presumably enforce that when you're monitoring people's brains and sizes and everything. Eh, I, I, like, that part didn't particularly bother me as such. I, it's just so, so wrong. <laughs> yeah, very wrong. But it's like the same idea of the, the standard, you hear the child on the other end of the headset shouting profanity down Call of Duty, yeah. But that one's not monitoring brainwaves. Like, in my mind, you could, there's additional parental controls you can put in when you have access to their brain. I mean, hey, maybe there is parental controls. There's just, you know, they have the ethics code turned on. <laughs> oh, Christ. Just, that's, it was just seeing kids running around. I'm just like, what, who, why, how, no. Like, I, I didn't question that part. I can believe it. I, it's believable, but it is also questionable. It, it's sure, it's questionable. Like, what same parent would let their kids play a VR MMO, I guess? Oh, and like every other UE episode, this episode's fucking pointless. It's completely pointless. Well, no, because UE's the better narrative, Mike, so... Very I'm like, yeah, that's, that's the only thing. But the thing is, we find out that Yui, not not some traumatised child, a traumatised AI, the most goddamn advanced fucking AI ever. <laughs> yep. Like, I mean this in the nicest way. Kaiba, terrorist, deserves at least, like, five Nobel Prizes, though. <laughs> did some bad things, but then again, so did Nobel, the guy who invented the prize. Well, it's like, he's invented the nerve gear, he's created SAO, he's now created the world's most advanced AI capable of human-like interaction. No, it's above and beyond that, Phil, because that, remember, um, Yui, as we learned, is just essentially the mental health system that got discarded by the system, because the whole system as a whole runs on this cardinal system, yes. which is a self-monitoring, self-managing Self AI. Self-adjusting, bouncing process for sword art online like it, it is it has solved the need for a bouncing team in a game it it handles everything I, what the like we're, we're told kayab is some sort of genius he's invented nerve gear great he's invented sao yeah sure create a flagship game to go along with your new piece of kit why not but fuck me he's developed these great ais yeah this is a first attempt as well it's the first draft. God damn. Can't Jesus. wait for the sequel. Oh my god. And then, uh, just to keep the whole bullshit train rolling, we learn that Yui, as we said, like went through a whole mental distress because, you know, she's monitoring mental health and there's 10,000 very traumatized people. Which she's not allowed to help specifically is the issue. Yeah. Has a breakdown. But then, one day, I saw just two people who were really happy. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got this one. <laughs> Just two people. <laughs> two out of what? Two eight, out of 10,000 people that started playing, down to 6,000 by the uh, end of SAO. Yeah, so... Only two people are happy and in are love. truly happy. What? Oof. <laughs> yeah, that's an oof. <laughs> Especially if those two are your, are your yardstick of happiness. That's an oof, bro. But then... More fun because uh, the, the, the I'm not going to talk about the Grim Reaper, but they fight the Grim Reaper and Yui offs him, but exposes herself to do so. Whatever. I mean, this whole scene is an example of more wasted good ideas. Yeah. Of essentially, bonus dungeons around the place. Yeah. But then a wasted bad idea is that Kirito, not just capital G gamer, capital H hacker. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. 
so Yui, as an AI in the system, knows can like delete shit or whatever. She she basically gives herself GM privileges to delete the boss. Yeah, and that makes the system be aware of her existence. The system's like, hang on, you're running, you shouldn't be running, you're a foreign entity, I'm going to stop you running. And like, all of that's stupid, but yeah, makes sense. That's that's sort of advanced antivirus kind of thing. Yeah, sure. So I can believe you, your MMO with your god-tier AI management system has something like that. And so she opens up a find in an admin console. No, no, no. Doesn't no, that, open that up the wall. Exists, the yeah. wall is already fucking open because of the plot. Okay. Right. Okay. Sorry. So they walk bad. into this dungeon to try and rescue a guy who got trapped there because you know it was the Reaper. Not that they knew it at the time, and he somehow managed to survive by going into this side room which has the GM console, just casually. And Yui doesn't do anything with it. Just sort of uses it as an expositional piece. She uses it to give herself permissions. I think is the implication. That she shouldn't have, but... Uh... But then she's being deleted. Oh no! We had such affection for her, I guess. Because she's so... She was finally happy because she was their child. And she's very specifically not their child. Yeah, it's really creepy. And they... <laughs> this is so fucking dumb. So there's this GM console, which is currently logged in. It's be in the process of being logged out. But... <laughs> Mr. Capital G Hacker Man, Kirito over here, says, wait a minute, I know what I can do. If I, I've still got GM permissions, quickly, I'm going to do whatever it is I'm doing. And then he gets launched backwards, like, oh no, I got kicked out. He downloads Yui's program to an item which he stores in his nerve gear. The only thing he had time to do was to turn this entire fucking massive AI into a game item, which I don't even know anything about programming. It ain't, I know it ain't that simple. This ain't it, dog. <laughs> this whole episode, just a write-off. <laughs> he had GM access! Log everyone out! <laughs> if he's got the knowledge somehow to know how this language works, to be able to do that this, for this you, is, This is the other issue I have there. It's like, it's just Kirito's just like, ah, I know exactly what to do. It's like, do you? Is this a thing we've established you know? <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, he's like d the pro gamer. Uh, I'll buy that he's got some sort of computery skills behind him. It is brought up like once or twice later down the line that he has liked tech, but... Like, at this point, we have no... Like, I like tech. I'm not going to be able to sit onto the World of Warcraft servers and download a pet. In like five seconds. <laughs> no, no, no. Turn a turn an AI into a game <laughs> item, specifically, which is saved to your local drive, very specifically. Your HTC Vive. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> fucking no. The whole episode's a write-off. Oh, why doesn't he fucking log everyone out? Well, like even just himself or just asuna but why would he mike because he likes the game he's happy here <laughs> is he is he happy here <laughs> that's why yui found him because he was say, happy. him and asuna are the only two that are actually happy apparently which sure i can probably believe it at this point but like i know we gave the manga shit for like just saying oh by the way yui was a thing but if this was the kind of ideas they had about fleshing out the character 
I'm kind of glad that's what we got in the manga. It's back to the whole mercifully short angle. It's like, oh, come on. <laughs> Could we The not? problem is that you need to give more time to Yui because she is so important down the line. But there are so many ways you can implement Yui. Like, even the first, like, creepiness aside of the whole parent-child dynamic, the first episode isn't a terrible disaster outside of the ethical quandaries. It's this one where it just jumps the shark and has a thousand different things. Also, Yui just as a character is insufferable. <laughs> they tried to make her cute, and they tried way too hard. And it's just so painful to have her in the scene. And then to have all the other characters responding to her like she's totally normal is oh. just the fact that like yeah it's the fact that Kirito and Asuna are perfectly okay being called Papa and Mama. It's mm-hmm. like that, no, because it's too hard to pronounce their names. It's like Kyo Asuna. <laughs> oh, it's too hard for you, dear. Just say Mum and Dad. <laughs> You fucking what, mate? <laughs> oh dear, but don't worry, Mike, because after that, you get the relief you wanted. You get fishing. Oh, but no, it's even better. You get fishing with the dude that oversaw network security. But <laughs> SAO. He also had one of the 10,000 copies. I mean, it makes sense that he did. I was going to say, I can understand he got one for the work, but it's just, it's like, hey, hey, if you oversaw network security, have, have you considered trying anything yeah <laughs> literally anything maybe hacking one of them gm consoles was, gonna say, like <laughs> seems you've done a bit of a shit job <laughs> i mean he has done a bit of a shit job he has done a bit of a shit there's job. no proof this guy actually does know what he's doing <laughs> but no instead we get fishing for like an episode i actually don't it's the last hurrah of like here's a, just a general day-to-day seo thing yeah, before i don't the game. actually mind the fishing episode it is a bit silly it's got nothing to do with the overall plot it's a bit pointless but as far as filler goes it's inoffensive it's fine. as far as filler goes it is the fillerist filler of the show but I also don't mind it. It's also a little funny at times as well. Sure. It's all based around this guy trying you, to catch a big fish. You do like also get Asuna having a quote-unquote badass moment where everyone's <sighs> running away from giant fish and she's like, oh, fine, I'll kill it myself. <laughs> oh, giant yeah, fish with legs. It's not, yeah. it's not of consequence. That's why she gets to kill that one. Yeah. That oh, yeah. I, I suppose this is probably the best that Kirito is in this in terms of like how he treats women. Because it's at this point that uh, everyone's like scared and running away with this from this giant fish with legs, and yeah. they're like, "Why aren't you running? Why aren't you saving your wife?" And he's like, "Nah, she's got it." Like, yeah, because yeah. she does. Because you know, she's like the second most powerful character in the game, pretty much. Third, Third yeah. whatever. She's up there is the point. Like, yeah, she probably has a giant fish. She can probably <laughs> kill that. Yes, yeah, she. Does. And then and then she gets the monologue to this random old man who they've known for like a day or two. Yeah, like relationships in this about, game happen about fucking lightning fast. Because the, the implication we find out later is they've been honeymooning for about four weeks. Oh, no, I think they actually say two weeks. Point like, is it's like weeks. that's when they get called back because like, oh, two yeah. weeks into our holiday or and something. Yeah. So, yeah. At which yeah. point... It's time to go deal uh, with floor 75. Yeah, it, it, uh, it is pretty much rapid fire until the end of the Iron Grand Arc. In well, this is, this is basically the penultimate episode. It is the penultimate episode. Yes. Mm-hmm. For Iron Grand. And but, you uh, get... Of, of particular note here, I just want to say, is 
Asuna's like, no, we've got to go back to the front lines, you know, because we don't know how long we're going to be alive for. So, oh, you know, we can be alive as long as you want if we just don't die in the game. She's like, no, what about our real bodies? We've, we've been playing this game for two years. Who knows how much longer they can hold on for? And it's like, Asuna, my girl, people have been in comas for 42 years, as I've learned, and come out alive. Yeah, yeah. All right, for a few more years, at least. I, sure. She, she probably doesn't know that. Yeah, I also know because like, you know the people well, who've been in comas for forty-two years, they don't come out all right. Sure, <laughs> my point isn't necessarily she knows specifically they've been okay for forty-two years. It's more, I would imagine she's know people have been in comas and come out of them okay. I yeah, I mean I, I get that it's a fair concern, but it doesn't mean there's any particular rush, <laughs> especially well, because they also discuss in that exact same scene that like this is their real world now. They don't really remember their world outside the game because this is yeah. their world now. To be fair, but the then... thing that keeps throwing me is they constantly refer to the real world as the other world. Mm-hmm. Not real world. Yeah. Other. It just makes it even weirder that they say, this is our world now. Like, the other world was the other world. Like, the real world's the other world. But now this is our world, and but we have to leave it, though. So we have to get out of here because we might be dying in real life. Like, why do you care? It's it's just yet another example of mixed messaging that this thing gives you, and there is a lot of it. Like, we haven't hammered on that point enough. By the end of this, it is inconsistent and stupid for it. <sighs> but then, yeah, this all steamrolls into essentially the final scene of the thing. They they get called in by Heathcliff. They found the next boss, and the team they sent to investigate it got wiped out. No information, nothing. So they want a big force of their A-team and go in for a big hurrah. And then, oh my god, look at this giant boss. Ah, see you next steps. Oh, we beat it. <laughs> there is a little bit more to it than that, but not much. <laughs> they fight it for about a minute in this episode, and they really do want to have a home with Skull Reaper, who is the Floor 75 boss. Who looks like a badass for what mm, it's worth. Yeah. A giant skeleton centipede with scythes. Scythes for ribs, yeah. Looks awesome. They really do hammer home that he can one shot even these top tier players if he gets a good hit on them. Uh, that their attacks are doing very little to hit to damage him. It is a very much a whole shit moment as it goes to the credits. Is this it for everyone? Because they've established at this point there's no teleportation allowed anymore. They're in an anti teleport zone yeah this is the last hurrah in many ways and uh it is the last hurrah because then we come back and uh as we made the joke back when it aired they were fighting him off screen for a week because then he's dead yep they just they just kill him like oh we won neat roll titles (laughs) yeah then they have like this conversation where it's like how many people die and it's like oh 14 people i think off the top of my head and and like oh my god that's that's horrendous. They were like, really stunned by this, and then like that seems cheap. But the thing is, actually, most of those were killed in that first minute or so. Like it really isn't as big a deal as they make it out to be that only fourteen fell to this guy. Well, I think the thing is, their mostly concern is like if it's that bad in all the future floors. Bear in mind, they had another twenty, twenty-five, yeah. whatever, twenty-five, twenty-six. Then they're gonna lose. So many top tier players, it's horrendous kind of things. Like, yeah, I, I get that, but 
Also, the implication was most of those people died in that first minute or so. So actually, as long as they're just a bit more prepared at the start of fights, they're probably not going to see anywhere near as bad a loss as that. Also, these people have a chronic case of not knowing how to position their team. Like they all, the guy with the shield's always at the fucking back, and I know <laughs> this because the guy with the shield always has to like run the fuck forward to block anything. He's Cliff, yes. <laughs> not always keep. It's like the same thing with the first fight, and you saw in the first boss as well. It was the guy with the shield at the back. Don't worry, I've got this. Runs past all the people with the spears. <laughs> what the fuck, guys? I mean, Heathcliff's case is because he's the commander, so generally you would command from the back. The invincible commander, yeah. They don't know that, or do they? Speaking of Heathcliff, <laughs> Gator decides to stab him. Yeah, they don't even, it's like, the manga has some monologue here. In this one, he just looks at him and it's the, like... The, the manga is like, oh man... If I'm wrong about this, I'm so fucking dead. No, in this one, Kirito just locks him, picks up a sword, and just swings. He just fucking goes for him. He's like, what? <laughs> the, the only thing I would say that is neat about this is that because of the anime format, you had seen a mortal object several times throughout, like when he'd hit a wall or something. So it's not just out of nowhere a mortal object pop up. Yeah, there is established that mortal objects are a thing. Uh, it's also established that Heathcliff's health has never gone into the yellow, and you can see his health is literally on like a pixel away from being on yellow. So if Kirito does stab him, then he should go into the yellow, like as in like halfway, half health. So a few visual things here are established, which is good. Of course, none of that's got anything to do with the writing. That's purely like the art team, <laughs> the actually good at their job art team. So yeah. Then you get like Kirito's reasoning he's like oh yes you know kaiba has to be down here so he can adjust the world and it's like no, no kirito yui told you literally an episode ago <laughs> that kaiba needs to do fuck all honestly like this whole scene is as forced as it is in the manga it's it, it's like clearly like the writer wanted the story to end here and so they did <laughs> So yeah, it's the it's like oh congratulations, you figured it out. I'm supposed to be the final boss. I'll give you a chance, which is stupid, so stupid. Like I know it was stupid before, but it's especially stupid now, especially with the establishment that he can make himself literally immortal. It's not about him cheating he's, to move the shield. He's fair, away. Mike. He's fair. One thing I say is it's fair, but it's not. Like you've only got his <laughs> word for it that he's turning this shit off. <laughs> there's nothing stopping him just turning it back on. He's already just one button paralyzed everyone in the room. I mean, I would argue you do see, because he has to do it via the UI, so if he was going to try and turn his immortality on, you would see that. But what what would be the the recompense there for him doing it? <laughs> like, what would be wrong with it? Like, he would be like, okay, yeah, i just turn this on mid-fight. Ah, you lied to me. Yeah, what of it? I think the logic is, if he was going to do that, why would he not just kill all 10,000 people on the yeah, off mic? Exactly! Why didn't he? Because that wasn't the point! It's a social experiment! <laughs> Mike, now, now hear me out. If only there was a period of time after this fight where you could ask him what his reasons were, and he could explain them. And he could just shrug and go, I don't know. <laughs> In fairness to Kirito, after this fight, he... There's a lot of bullshit in the fight, but he... To be, to be fair, if you listen to the last it's all the same bullshit. Asuna somehow cancels out Paralysis to take a killing blow. Kirito 
doesn't die when he dies because he transcends the system. The power of human will overcame the code. Yeah, the only neat thing you get in this over the manga is that he uses Asuna's sword to kill Heathcliff, which is a neat little moment. But but that's because his sword's been like knocked away and broken yeah. or something. All, all yeah. dumb. Like that was the one neat moment in a sequence of mind-numbingly dumb events. And then you get the whole sequence where they're just like hovering above, watching Ironcrad be destroyed. But Mike, you got your wish. It actually doesn't look like a floating poo now. It doesn't look like a floating turd, which is good. But then you've got this epilogue where they're talking to Kyber. And he's like, oh, yes, you know, I had this dream about a floating castle, blah, blah, blah. And Kirito's like, oh, man, I hope your dream comes true. It's like, Kirito, the dude's a terrorist. Don't, <laughs> don't be doing this. He doesn't just shrug and walk away when, when Kirito, in fairness, asks him why he did this. He basically says... I don't remember. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, like, this is the thing. He doesn't shrug and walk away, but he shrugs and walks away. Yeah, like, I don't know what's better. What we got in the manga where he shrugs and walks away, or what we got in the anime where he's like, oh, I don't really remember. <laughs> How do you forget that? So pointless. Like, why even have the scene at all? But then he fucks off so Kirito and Asuna can have their special moment together, and then it's like, oh, wait a minute, we haven't told each other our real names yet. <laughs> We've only been married and had a kid. And fucked, maybe? And definitely. Yes, because... yes, they've they banged. Yeah, de definitely sure, banged. sure. They've banged within the context of the game, whatever that means. And then, oh, this, this fucking part gets me. Two years in a coma. Yeah, I know what you're about to say, and I don't think that's that bad. Probably has a catheter in him. Probably. Kirito gets up and starts walking. Not okay, no he doesn't problem. like jauntily stroll out of the room. Mike, the fact he's getting up and walking at all is a miracle. Muscle atrophy is a thing, and after two years he is yeah, not. He getting should up. not be able to do that. I completely agree with you. Also, yeah, he's probably got a catheter in him. He probably Ow. Does. Yeah, that's that's gonna suck. <laughs> but you get the sweet visual of him walking down the hospital aisle to the credits music, which is a nice visual, although it does highlight an issue this series has in general, which is that apparently nobody works in hospitals in this world. <laughs> yeah, completely empty hospital. Although, if this is like the the SAO wing, the coma wing, how many people do you really need there? See, this is the other thing I was about to say. Like, damn, surely they just created like an SAO hospital where they've got like big wards rather than giving all these people individual private rooms. <laughs> well, they've had two years to build a new hospital. <laughs> like, goddamn, you wouldn't just put all these 10,000 people in private I mean, I've rooms. got no idea what Japanese health insurance is like, but maybe these are the people that could just afford big rooms. I don't know. Maybe, but... I mean, he lives in a pretty swanky house, as we're about to find out, so, you know. <laughs> uh, well, he's got, also got a, a mother who's always away on business. No, she's not always away on business. We never see her present day. We do see her in flashbacks. Uh, because frankly, we just ended the tolerable part of this series. <laughs> and it wasn't oh. great toward the end there. So for what it's worth, because I don't think we said this at the top, 25 episodes in this season. Yep. 14 of them are SAO. Yeah. Which is a choice. It is a choice, but let me put it this way. I would argue you could have given even less episodes to ALO. <laughs> what, like, like zero? Should, should have had zero, yes. But... Negative zero, yes. They should have given them that many episodes. 
Also, one, one thing we didn't mention is Kyber does say that the servers and data for SAO are being deleted. They, he does say that, yeah. Very specifically, he says that. He doesn't say much in that scene, but he makes a point of saying that. Yep, got to get rid of the crime. Yeah, and why wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> why wouldn't you? <laughs> you you've just taken 10,000 people hostage where 4,000 people-ish have died as a result of that. We are given an exact number, but it's essentially 4,000, yeah. It's like, yeah, funnily enough, I'd want to erase that evidence <laughs> as well. Yeah, he's a, I, I don't know what the exact definition is, but I'm going to go ahead and call him a mass murderer. <laughs> so, that's a lot of people. Serial killer? Is that, is that applicable? Like, I don't know, like, when you get above a thousand, <laughs> got to have a different name for it at that point. Attempted genocidist? I don't know. Uh, is it genocide? I don't think it's genocide. The entire population of the game? Is it? It's genocide against gamers. <laughs> I don't know. Attempted. <laughs> Whatever. It's a lot no, of people. No, because the, the, I think the idea behind genocide is it very specifically has to be motivated as a result of a characteristic a group of people have, such as their race or their religion or their gender, I guess. But yes, the point is, he's a goddamn terrorist. He murdered 4,000-ish people. I mean, when you've murdered close to 4,000, why split hairs? Just say 4,000. Yeah, 4,000. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll round, I guess. Oh, Jesus. And we don't even know why, and it implies he doesn't even know why. But then we do what this show loves fucking doing, and smash cut to several months later. Two, two months later. Yes, yeah, so that, that brings Iron Crowd to a close as we now yeah do the two-month transition into... Well, the, this is the in-between episode, I guess, before we jump into the world of Alfine. Because as it turns out, Asana has not lived happily ever after and is still stuck in a coma in a game. So this is generally where the show takes a turn for the gross. <sighs> oh, my God. Yes, okay. Uh, yes. It's like, I don't know why it does any of this. Because Asana is still in a coma. Didn't wake up from SAO. Uh, obviously, Kirito, Kigaya, whatever we're calling him these days. Just go on, Kirito. His actual name is so irrelevant. <laughs> He's obviously not having a good time of it because his one true love is still in a coma. So they don't know what the issue is, obviously. And then it sets about this series of events which you find out this one random guy who is like the son of someone important in Asuna's company because they took over the, their family's company took over security for the sort of online people. They, they took over the server maintenance. Yeah, not relevant, but yeah. Uh, kind of relevant. It's relevant to his villainy backstory. As I was going to say, it's, it's relevant to establish how all of this came about. Asuna's dad's company took over the maintenance of SEO with the dissolution of whatever the first company was called entirely irrelevant what they're called really and then this guy is not not his son or anything but is essentially a high up in that company family friend and is next in is essentially betrothed to asana yeah they somehow do an arranged marriage with a person in a coma i, I don't have, know i, I think they kind of talk about it a little bit in that they say it's not actually going to be a marriage because obviously they can't 
but he will be adopted into the family and they will basically be saying, yes, they're married. Yeah, what's up with that? <laughs> That's so fucked up in general. We're going to adopt you just so you can fuck our daughter. I, I don't think that was part of the deal as such, Mike. I but... think it's more the father has not seen this somehow hasn't seen this side of the guy, so is under the belief that he is a lovely family friend and he and Aston have always gotten along. In his very first introduction, for like the first five seconds while the father's there, he's a perfectly normal guy. He's like, oh, you're Kirito? You're the guy that saved everyone? Oh, like, oh. You're the hero that people know the name of outside of the game? Important thing to note for later? Yep, that's very important to note for later, yep. <laughs> It's like, yep, oh, like, it's such a pleasure to meet you. And the father works out and he's like, I'm a fuck this girl. <laughs> yeah, I am a straight up <laughs> rapist. Like, Immediately whoa. goes to the sniffing the hair. Like rubbing her lips with a single finger. To be fair, he, he doesn't say that at this point. But yes, he he's basically like, I'm going the to marry her. Makes no bones about going, this is the villain. Here he is. Yeah, it, it, it's basically just like, Villain mode engaged. It's like, you could just literally not watch this scene and just be like, this guy is evil and disgusting. But they draw it out. <laughs> but really, we've skipped over the important stuff here. Oh, have we? Have we really? You're right. We, how could I forget the, the main heroine of the arc? <laughs> <laughs> so, we're introduced to Kirito's sister, air quotes. Yeah, who we saw for approximately two seconds at the beginning of episode one. Who looks like Silica, don't you know, except it doesn't in any way whatsoever. In no way, shape or form, yeah. But uh, to be fair, I think we already knew this from the Silica episode. Not actually a sister, they're actually cousins, I think. Very important distinction. Very important distinction. Because that makes it a-okay. That, that, that makes it perfectly legal. Uh. <laughs> but, but basically the whole point is Kirito finds this out, and that's why he got so invested into video games so you could put some distance between him and his they do like a whole two minute bit of like oh we should probably explain why kirito is the way he is um yeah they're not actually related so he withdrew into game so, so he decided to distance himself for some reason some reason sure but uh the way she's introduced is she's doing her morning kendo practice because their grand father owned a dojo or something, I don't fucking know. Largely irrelevant. You know, she's doing a practice and then Kirito's like, oh, come on then, let me fucking have a go at you. And, you know, clearly, pro gamer skills transfer to real life. Yeah, so this is, because there's an interesting thing, they, it's not, again, something the show has no interest in exploring, but it would be something, and I, you wouldn't really be able to do any real world research into this, because obviously Sword Art Online doesn't exist, but, because... Part of the deal of Sword Art Online is that while you don't move, you are essentially commanding your body to do the muscle Yeah, movements. you're sending all the relevant signals. So the question is, would you have muscle memory for something that your muscle has never technically done? No. I, that's the thing. It's hard to say because obviously you would never get to that scenario in real life. No, because muscle memory is literally muscle memory. Your, your muscles have not been trained to move in that way. Yes and no. The actual muscle memory function is a linking of electrical signals in the brain so they can do it faster next time for survival instinct purposes so it, it's the whole reason why you touch something hot you pull away without thinking about it 
So it's the same sort of idea. So that could potentially translate to real life. Now, the things that wouldn't translate to real life are the things which are like actual technical smooth movements. You could do like knee jerk reactions and stuff, but you couldn't literally pull off a 36 hit combo in real life <laughs> because your brain got told how to do it really well. That's just not how it works. But Kirko's like, yeah, you know what? I, I was top of the SAO graduate school. <laughs> yep. I have one confirmed Heathcliff kill under my belt. <laughs> Graduated top of the class. So, you know, during the dojo, Sugu, the sister cousin, takes up a proper stance because, you know, she actually... Phil, just... give her a proper name. Sister wife. Sister wife. <laughs> Sister wife, yeah. Sure. But yes, she takes up a proper stance because she's, you know, been practicing kendo. And Kirito takes up his SAO stance because game skills transfer to real life. Totes. And then, you know, after after that nice little exchange, Sugu's like, oh man, you, you're really good. Have you been practicing Kirito? And it's like, Sugu, he's been in a coma for two years. When, when's he going to a fucking practice? Yeah, I mean, to be... F I can't believe it. To be fair, two things with this. One, he ha it is told that he had done kendo before he went into gaming. So he does ha would have the basics down still, at the very least. Not enough to beat Sugar, which, to be fair, leads into the other point. He does lose. Sugu does win. He, he does. But the point is, she's like, whoa, you've gone really good because, you know, he's trying to do all his SAO bullshit. It's also implied the only reason he loses is because his muscles are still weak. Isn't it also implied because he isn't using a goddamn heavy sword? Yeah, the sword's too light or something. Like, the, the anime throws out a lot of excuses as to how could our beloved Kirito ever lose a sword fight? Oh, could never. Actually, one, one thing to note is, as said, this is two months after the end of SAO. So actually, Kirito does say he's been hitting the physical therapy hard. And goddamn, he must have been hitting that real fucking hard, because he's at about normal. <laughs> yeah, because uh, that's also not how physical therapy works. It intentionally has to take time, because if it doesn't, you do more damage than good. In theory, it's not how it works, but having watched wrestling, people try to sprint through physical therapy. People will get injured, and then they'll be like, right, now you need to do physical therapy, and they will try to speedrun physical therapy. You can't speedrun physical therapy. Some of them have managed it. Yeah, physical therapy, it, it takes a certain amount of time, but if you're actually putting the effort into following your regime, doing all the exercises they give you and things, it's going to take a lot less time than if you just do fuck all, is the point. So, like, yes, it... It is going to take a set amount of time, no matter what. But as I say, the fact that it's been two months and he's been in the coma for two years, the fact that he is up and swinging his sword dick around, <laughs> no problem. Damn, that's yeah. Also, it's it's future tech, Mike. Fuck it, they've got nano machines or something. I don't know. <laughs> sure, why not? In the far-off year of 2024 at this point. And Dennis, I also yeah. don't know how long it takes from a coma, so to speak, because it's not like he had well, an no, actual I, broken I don't, bone. I don't anything, either, so. but the thing is, generally he was depicted as being very atrophied. Is that how you say that? Because like, he is very 
at the end of SAO, you see him stretching out his hand and you can basically see the bones through his skin. Oh, that's something I wanted to point out. Kirito, very atrophied. Asuna looks fine. <laughs> Asuna, been in a coma for a bit more than two years, just looks fucking flawless. <laughs> well, yeah, because she's from a rich family. They can afford the good health care. They, they can afford the steak IV drip, can they? <laughs> If anything, she gained a bit of weight. <laughs> we also learned that Kirito actually finds out where Asuna is because he traded info about SAO to the SAO task force. Something, something, police. Yeah, never sure, mentioned again, but I can believe they exist. Yeah, sure. What info could he even trade? <laughs> I was really good with swords, me. <laughs> what info could he trade that other people wouldn't already necessarily know? He got that really insightful conversation with the creator of the game. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Like... For one, they would want to know about that, even if it was absolute bullshit. And he was also in the room at the end, so he knows how the game ended, so to speak. Yeah, but so do several other people. Like, he wasn't but we don't know who they've talked to, is the point. And if they're all like, Kirito's the guy, Kirito won, they're probably going to want to speak to Kirito. Don't get, I'm not saying they wouldn't speak to Kirito. That's not my argument here. My argument is, what fucking information does Kirito specifically possess that other people wouldn't? And all it really is, is that conversation with Kaiba at the end, which, in a nice way, amounts to fuck all. But he, I mean, he knows about what Yui told him with the cardinal system and all of that as well. I'd be surprised if you care about any of that. AI that manages itself, I'd be like, yes, please. <laughs> but, but, Sean... As we're about to find out, it's irrelevant because in the two years since its release, there is a successor to the Nerve Gear and a new VR MMO. Because <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? So here's the thing: I don't have a problem with there being a new VR MMO because yeah, no, nah, they would happen regardless. No, they can happen. The government's going to say stop that. We're still dealing with the last one. <laughs> I wouldn't stop it, but um. The headset, on the other hand, no fucking chance. <laughs> Especially considering it's more powerful. Because as we learn later, like, oh yeah, I can manipulate your fucking mess. Also, because this is my other issue here. So we learn that there's still players trapped in somewhere. Like, SAO's ended, but there's 300 people, including Asna, who have not woken up. And it's like, why, why would you... No, nah, no. Nah. But then, like, why would you what? Why would you just let this other game come out? You wouldn't. The game has already been out for a year or plus at this point. See, my issue is not really the existence of this other game. My issue is that we figure out that through some wobbly shit, you figure out that Asuna is being trapped in this other game. No one really explains how or why at this point. Either you do, but. But for now, there's no explanation. Talks to Agil about it, uh, who now owns a cafe, which is quite a nice looking cafe, actually. It's quite looks quite nice. Yeah, so he decides that, okay, oh shit, I'm going to have to go into this game and find out what's up. Why, why did he not talk to the police or government? <laughs> yeah, why did he not talk to the police, for one thing? He's like, hey, uh, there's these pictures floating around from this new VR MMO that's hosted by the company that took over the SAO servers which has this person that's still in a coma in it. 
maybe, maybe do some investigation there. I don't know. Like, that is stupid. Don't get me wrong, but it's nothing by comparison to the next bit. Because the next bit is, he goes, <laughs> oh, man, I need to go get the hardware to play this. And Eagle says, oh, don't worry. It's compatible with your nerve gear. You know, the one with a brain microwave in it. <laughs> He's like, oh, cool. I'll just use that. I have no problem with it being compatible with the nerve gear. Why does he even still have that thing? <laughs> I get it's fine with it being compatible with it. And I get why he still has it, because, you know difficult to let go of like something that was such a different part of your life what well, i hate is that he just then puts it on it's <laughs> yeah. not even a moment given to the idea well okay sorry there might be like a moment given to the idea of like ooh, this is the thing that co- took me to hell before <laughs> on it goes why would you willingly wear the brain microwave helmet again <laughs> i don't get it and like he goes straight to it he's like oh boy i've saved myself some money i don't have to buy the new one i was, I was gonna say like Egil tells him about this new MMO and Kirito's like, oh boy, a new MMO with flying in it. And it's like, Kirito, it's because your, your wife, girlfriend, <laughs> yeah. whatever, is stuck in that game. He's like, oh yeah, that's why I care. Right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm stuck on the brain microwave thing. <laughs> it's so dumb. Like, I don't even know why he still has it. Like, why Why did the government not, like, confiscate it just to, like, figure out what the fuck's happening? So, right. Kirito decides to play this game. It's like, oh yeah, you know, pick your race. It's like, yeah, sure, whatever. This one, that look, that looks cool. And then it's like, do you want to customize your parents? It's like, no, I'm just gonna hit the fucking random button and makes himself. <laughs> it randoms yep. into a perfect visage of himself. Yes, and he calls himself Kirito because sure, why not? Well, no, he even has a moment where he thinks, hang on, everyone knows I'm Kirito. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> he just goes with it. No one knows it's Kirito. Like, no one puts, no one at any point goes, holy shit, it's you. It, it just bothers me that Sugu, or Leafa as she's known in Alfheim, because she plays Alfheim, sees Kirito, obviously called Kirito, and goes, man, sure is weird that there's a guy that looks exactly like my brother cousin. Even has, like, the same black motif going on. Green tags the same as what he had in Sword Art Online as well. That's a, that's a weird coincidence. It's also it, no, she doesn't even address the weird coincidence. It's just normal. And there's no fucking way that she doesn't know. There's no way. She must know because we find out Kirito's told her all about Asuna. So surely at some point it's like, oh yeah, you know, I was I was Kirito, the black swordsman with my two swords and my big dick. <laughs> this guy is also <laughs> famous outside of like the game because presumably this was covered by the news and he's the guy who like ended the game there's I no like way perhaps she doesn't news know would admit something like that potentially i there's yeah but that's his sister like there's no way she doesn't know there's absolutely no way that she wouldn't put it together that this guy who with the exact same name who looks exactly like her brother and probably acts quite a lot like him as well with his mannerisms or whatever there's no way that she would put that shit together. But Mike, it's fine, because like her brother would have only just started playing, right? So it would be level one, level one skills and everything. <laughs> yeah, of course. Bobs. And I mean, you know, Kyber deleted all the SAO data and servers, so clearly that's the case. Yeah, deleted everything. We, we deleted everything. He, he very explicitly said he's wiping the evidence. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Why, why wouldn't you? Oh, by the way, did you know Alfheim's built on SAO? <laughs> did, did you know Kirito gets to keep all of his data? 
which is all kinds of illegal. <laughs> like it is. No, no, because they own the software. The company essentially got that that company's assets. The company took over the servers, so they have that asset. So it's not illegal. I'm going to go ahead and say building your game on a murder weapon is probably illegal. Yeah, but that's that's the big issue here. It's like, why would you build it on top of Sao? This game that's (laughs) infamous for (laughs) that microwaved people. See, the thing is, I can believe it because it's implied to be, but essentially all by that douche nozzle the i don't even know who his name is but the villain yeah, it's not important we do learn he's lazy as fuck so i can entirely believe to make a buck he is the, like god well 90 percent of the work's done for me if i just use cardinal but this is yeah this is the other issue so all of kirito's are uh, items are corrupted except for yui conveniently conveniently so, you know she gets to be about and do stuff this arc sure as convenient cardinal doesn't kill her <laughs> It's also convenient that she's very useful. She yeah. she does a few things. She, she does a yeah. few things which I'm calling bullshit on when we get to them. She's more there because we need someone else to talk to, I guess. I don't know. That's not the incestuous relationship, yes. Yeah, yeah, because most of our time stuff, like, I do mean 90% of it, we don't even need to talk about it. Completely irrelevant. Oh, but sorry, I've got one more thing while we're on the whole Kirito name bit. Uh, it's it's one thing entirely for Suga to not reference it. For Capital V Villain guy as well, who <laughs> clearly knows who Kirito is, and I get he doesn't see him as a threat or anything, but surely he'd be like, oh man, Kirito's made an account. Haha, <laughs> look at this guy. Why does yeah, he have all these maybe skills? Maybe set up some sort of alert or something like <laughs> yeah. someone who's registered with the character name Kirito. Or fucking just, you know, ban the name. <laughs> which yeah, which no one else took in the two months. Yeah, no one like... took it, yeah. <laughs> he didn't have to be Kirito underscore XXX77. Maybe you can have multiple people with the same name. But that, that is a possibility. There's ways around that sort of thing. I'm not complaining at that part, the fact he gets to call himself Kirito. By the time I started this game, all the good names were taken. <laughs> so let me introduce myself, clownpenis.fart. <laughs> uh, but then Kirito bumps into the busty blonde lady known as Leifa, who... Mother of all fucking coincidences. Turns out is his sister, not that either of them know who each other are for. Even though she so should long. definitely know who he is. Definitely know. Definitely should know. Especially considering, you know, in the very next room over, but whatever. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> and so then it just sets about this whole... It set, they do quite go quite a way to set up a whole world here. Like, there's all the different races, and for no explicable reason, they're at war with each other, and... Uh, no, the, the reason they're at war is, is explained. They're at war because the gimmick of the game is it's more PvP-based, and the winning race gets infinite flight. Which, as someone who's played a game with limited flight, cough anthem, I'd fucking kill you for a limited flight in that game. I would also hate the fact that only one race would get that, because... Yeah, everyone making a character would only ever make that race. I, I could understand if it was some sort of, like... And I think a few MMOs and games have done something similar, where it's like a temporary bonus that you have to kind of keep fighting for. I could understand that, but no, this is depicted as, oh, the first race of the character that first clears the game, their race will be transformed into this other race and 
they get infinite flight. But it's fine, Phil. He's a genius because why you never have to deal with that problem if players could never get there. Oh, I've got a whole other fucking issue. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're not even there yet because there's another big issue. The biggest issue with this entire arc is, weirdly, none of the rapey shit, none of the incel vibes or anything like that. It's none of the pointlessness. It's the fact that they lower the stakes so fucking far and they expect you to give a shit. <laughs> in the first arc, that's like literally die in the game, die for real. Very early established. That's a real big threat, right? This one, they're like, nah, you can die. But they act like it's the worst thing in the world without explaining what that means. They try to justify it. So there are two things. Firstly, there's an arbitrary week time limit because that's when creepy that's, guy and Asuna that's get when married. Sugaro is air quote marrying Asuna yeah. in the real world. But yeah. the other thing is essentially, as far as I can interpret it, if you die, you go back to your racial respawn point. And as we learn, it's a fucking long way to get to the tree. This is Game of Thrones style. It's going to take us forever to get across the continent. It was literally like the go from Leafa's racial city to Ald, is it? I think it's called. The, the city built around the Yggdrasil, which is the final dungeon of the game in the centre of the continent. And they're straight up talking about how they're going to have to do like an overnight trip and stuff for it. And it's like, fucking hell. Like, it, it's full on like 10 hours of walking across this game's continent. They never establish properly what the actual penalties of death are. At no point. Yeah, they do say there are some sort of penalties. Yeah, but they never explain what that is. Why is this so bad? Outside of, like, you go back to your... Whatever your respawn point is, they don't really explain why it's a bad thing. I don't think you do go back to your respawn point. Like, I don't remember them ever saying that. Unless this is another case where they just contradict themselves. They mention it that they're like, oh, well, it won't be so bad, we'll die, and then we'll go back to insert location here, which I must think I glazed over because I don't fucking remember the place I imagine it will probably show. be the last town you were at or something, maybe. That's the, I don't know exactly where, but they made the point to be like, we'll lose like a day, but we'll get there. The point is, it's so... The, the stakes are so fucking low. They haven't even explained what the issue is. Like, maybe if they had said, like, if Kirito dies, then all of his shit gets reset, so he doesn't have these massive stats. That would be... I'd, I'd buy it. I mean, it wouldn't be as big as he dies in oh, real well, life sorry, but... sorry there, was, there was one thing i forgot to say one of the things that was corrupted in kirito's data was his dual wield skill <laughs> yes he doesn't have that anymore does it doesn't have his dual wield skill anymore no sir a apart from that one time when he does and and that second time that he does. <laughs> multiple times buddy yeah yeah he doesn't have dual wielding except when he does <laughs> It's there, but it's not recognised by the system, I think, is sure. what they're going for. And that's how video games work. I mean, yes, yes, that is how video games work, Mike. That's the problem. No, I'm, what I mean <laughs> is the, the issue isn't that, like, this doesn't work properly, therefore I can do what I want. That's, that's not quite how video games work. But you can have defunct code that the system doesn't know how to interpret, but can be accessed. Sure, sure. Most speedruns are based on it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll just sort of get this a little bit out of the way, I guess. So, the dual wielding, obviously, we're talking... Kirito is like, oh no, corrupt, can't possibly use it, except he then ends up using it at one point, and then just proceeds to not use it again, until a few episodes later where he's like, man, if only I had a second sword and can get through this better, and then gets the second sword. 
It's just like, why, why did you not just fucking buy a second sword and <laughs> dual wield the... It's the whole fucking issue at the first arc, where fucking dual wield the I'm pretty sure he doesn't f- do another fight between his first and second dual wield instances. Yes, he does. Because the first time's at the peace... The first time is at the peace tree, and the second time is the final attempt of the tree. So outside of the first time of the tree, I don't think he does a fight between them. There's another problem to this, though. He also establishes very early on, like Yui establishes that he shouldn't have all these stats and stuff because he should be a level one character. He shouldn't have all of his stats. He shouldn't have all of his items. I will also underline, again, entirely irrelevant, really, but there are no levels in Alfine. That's one of the things. Yes. It's established as a game that's all about skill. Sure. But he shouldn't have any of the things he currently has. He shouldn't be anywhere near as powerful as he is. And he's super powerful. So he's like, okay, just keep your head, head down, stay under the radar. Don't rock the boat, and you'll get away with it. Proceeds immediately, <laughs> immediately after that conversation, to start player killing people in like a big flashy way, and then just immediately proceeds to what's what's the opposite of not rocking the boat? Flipping the boat? I don't know. <laughs> because he like makes a huge show about how he has all of this power and skill that he definitely shouldn't have. I think the thing, the conversation he has with Yui is. Obviously, all the items, which are all, like, corrupt and stuff. She's like, get rid of that, because that's just going to... Which I believe he does. Which he does, yeah. He very specifically gets rid of basically all his items. Very importantly, not his money, but uh, all his items. Because the idea is he wouldn't get picked up by any automated processes, I guess, or... Sure, sure. Like, GMs. I, I think, I want to say, Yui says, like, a GM, would, if they looked closely, would probably still pick up on something, but... At the very least, they have no particular reason to be investigating. <laughs> Until he starts, like, dual-wielding. <laughs> it's so dumb. And they also go through this whole thing of, like, your racist thing is you can do illusion magic, but that's totally useless in combat. You fucking, you fucking what? <laughs> that just fucking bothers me, because it's like, oh yeah, Kirito, here's what your racial skills are. And it's like, Kirito, did you not like notice the section on character creation around racial skills? Do you? He was clearly in that character creator for thirty seconds, Phil. I, I, I know, but it's it's like literally, if you're playing an MMO, you're at character creation, and it's like racial skills. Do you not just like take a at least a brief oh, glance? Because he's capital G gamer. What does he it matter to him? Spun the wheel, and he found the one that looked the most like his Sao character. <laughs> And then randoms into his appearance, yes. Another thing here, because he and Leafa are different races. What's the difference between them? Racial skills. No, 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 I mean appearance-wise. Oh, they wear different colour clothes. Between those two, probably not a lot. They wear different colour clothes, that's, that's literally it. But that's just what they equip, Mike. <laughs> Does that mean... <laughs> Am I wrong? What's the thing? Because you had the cat people who were clearly different. You had the salamanders who were clearly different. These two are supposedly different races and look identical. Yeah, one's wearing green and the other one's wearing black. To be fair, in the nicest way, that is pretty much the way you identify him in this game. (laughs) It is, yeah. Because they all have a different colour theme. That's the point. (laughs) So it's, It's stupid, but so is the rest of the anime. It's by far the most offensive thing of this arc. (laughs) <laughs> it's definitely not but it's fine Mike because you know what while Kirito's learning how to fly I guess Sugo, the villain of the arc Sugo, 
calls himself Oberon in game. He's busy talking to Asuna, being like, Sup, I'm the guy you hate in real life because oh that, that's clearly a sensible thing to do. Definitely. Just, you know, reveal your identity. Yeah, sure. Why are we Princess Peachy Nasana? It's just, <laughs> oh my god. This is everything I hate from Bleach. Because this, this is the other way. Because he calls himself Oberon, he calls Asuna Titania. It's like, uh, no, it's, no, no. But yes, he says, yes, I'm Suo in real life. I'm going to marry you. Ha ha ha. I'm so evil. Here's how I got you trapped in this game. When everyone was logging out, I redirected people to my server instead. And it's like, Definitely how that works. It's not how that works. Definitely not, how it works. Not how that works at all. You just pick them up from the stream, Phil. God. Not, it's really annoying because it gives you a, like a visual. It gives you a visual, yeah. This is how it works. It's like, it's not how it works. It's not how that works. <laughs> not how that works. <laughs> not how anything works. If you, apparently, if you jam enough microwaves into someone, you can manipulate their emotions and memories and everything. <laughs> Through science. I don't mind that part too much. Stupid, sure, I guess. But the idea, like, they've got this brain interface thing on them already. Yeah, sure, stop manipulating their memories and emotions. Why not? Because the whole point is he is doing the research into it. That is why he's kidnapped these 300 people. There is, like, more bullshit to cover in this. <laughs> so it's like, sure, I'll buy it. Like, whatever. Everything involving Asuna in this is bullshit. Absolutely, yeah. So then you have just the fucking brilliance of this. He's got Asuna locked in a birdcage at the top of the end dungeon, sure, yeah. And, uh... The birdcage is secured with a numpad lock. <laughs> yeah. The numpad on the inside. Which has the world's worst filter, so even if we hadn't done her magical solution for it, you could still clearly tell what yeah. it pressed. But it's just like, that's just fucking awful security. <laughs> the filter isn't switched on when you look in a mirror. Yep, yep. It does have a um, Japanese porno filter on it. But, like, only from certain angles. <laughs> but only if you're looking directly at it. <laughs> the, the cage is wide enough that she could stick her head through the bars, so none of this matters anyway. To be fair, this, this is actually something I did wonder for when Asuna does escape by herself. Why, why does she not just, like, jump and fly down? Can, can she not fly? I don't think she can fly. I think that's the implication. So that maybe explain why she doesn't just slip out the birdcage. Like, it's never explained because she does have wings. It l looks like they're part of her dress, but she does have them. But it, they've nev they're never erect, so to speak. So, oh, but you know what is, Mike? Uh -huh. oh, that entire escape sequence just... Okay, uh -huh. I don't think we can avoid this any longer. Like, honestly, there's not enough relevance. We've talked about the idiocy. Now let's talk about the absolute abhorrency. Uh, so, the student manages to escape after looking in a mirror to find out the key code to get out, because, mm -hmm. yeah, great security. Fantastic. Good job. She escapes, she goes down into the tree, which is actually a research lab, finds a map, and is like, that one says experiment lab. Clearly, that's where the... Which is just weird in itself. She's looking for a GM console again, which... <laughs> it's a straight-up, like, uh, theme park, you are here type situation. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Fucking this... Right. Biggest fucking gripe of this arc. <laughs> easily. Okay, that's impressive. That's a sweeping statement, but sure. Right, look, there's a lot of abhorrent things. I'm, I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to say this is offensive in that way. 
by no means, because we're about to get to some of that. <laughs> yeah. But why the fuck is all this on the game server? <laughs> I don't know. Why, why would you put all this in the game? Why don't you just... You, you've rooted them to your server. Root them to a different server that doesn't have <laughs> players on it. Like, why have you got all this stuff embedded in the game? Like, I... I roughly know how this stuff works through interaction of through video games, making, playing, whatever. You actually like do this shit for a living, so I can only imagine the headache you have watching this. Honestly, is any time they tried to talk about anything technical or anything security related with this, because yeah, let's have cards and GM consoles everywhere. It's like no, and not how that works. I'm not going to spoil the biggest offender for the security implications here. The but, implication. Oh. And this is not a justification because it's fucking dumb. But it, the implication is that clearly Oberon has no imagination whatsoever because his entire game is essentially wholesale lifted from mythology slash SAO. So he's just gone for cliche villain lair number one with maps and all the brains in like right, convenient right. little tubes. Sure, sure. Great. Put it on a different server with no players. He's an idiot. It's <laughs> <laughs> all I could say. Well, he, can't, he can't be that dumb. Like, he had the technical know how. To rip off SAO in the first place. He has the technical know-how to kidnap 300 people. Yeah, mid like, logout, he can't apparently. be that dumb. But he is! <laughs> <laughs> like I say, and then there's just the whole issue of, like, securing things with a numpad, having GM consoles out in the open, which have key cards, which are actual items that can be given <laughs> to other people. And Ugh. That's very dumb. And we're going to have a lot more just, examples of that coming Honestly, up. just the whole premise, like, I appreciate you've got to have some way that your hero can be the hero. <laughs> like, you, you've got to throw him a bone, I guess, but, like, fuck me. <laughs> the game does that in a much bigger way later. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, like I said, there is one glaring security issue, which yeah. I am not spoiling. <laughs> we'll get to that, because that shit... That's, that's going to be the, the comic relief after we've talked about the horrible shit. Because here's the horrible shit, right? Let's stop. Let's stop dancing around it and just mention it. Because it's never gonna be. It's never gonna be comfortable. This thing is rapey as shit, especially around Asuna, or primarily around Asuna. She gets to the lab. She finds the GM console and it's like, oh wait, here's all these other trapped people with me who are mm -hmm. tries to find a GM console to log everyone out. Because why wouldn't you? Because you know. Why wouldn't you do that if you had access to a GM console? Yeah, right? yeah, 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 right, right. But then you know, as she's kind of looking around, horrified at all these people, in come two employees who, for I have no fucking idea why, <laughs> are <laughs> tentacle slug people. Yeah, giant tentacle slugs, green. If that helps, and no reason whatsoever. Like they, they could just be people, but they're not. Like these are these are actual people. They're not NPCs or AIs. They are people. Who have logged in to these avatars for some reason. And, you know, so Asana hides, like, oh no, can't be caught. That would be bad because, you know, she's escaping. So, like, yeah, sure, whatever. But then, you know, while they're looking over one of the brains in a jar, talking about how this guy's clearly having a pervy dream of silica or something, I don't know. Something stupid, yeah. She's like, man, the GM console's like right there. I could just leg it out in the open and. So she does, and they see her because why wouldn't they? And she's she's got the menu up. She's she's got the log off button right there, and she's about to push the button. Then the tent. 
Yep, the tentacles happen. Not to do is just extend a finger. Yeah. So tentacle, tentacle touching happens. Tentacle, tentacle rape essentially happens at this the, point. The hentai scene happens. Yeah, and it could have all been avoided if Asuna just well it would have been avoided if the creators decided to not do it. But she could like literally extend. She's literally hovering she in front of a log out finger. Button. She she could have just like you know snuck away to the console first. She could have waited a few minutes, maybe see if they leave. That idiocy aside, they then decide to grope all over her with their tentacles and be actively gross while they're doing it. It's not like this is their only interaction with the world kind of thing. No, they do the full on like turn her upside down and wrap tentacles around her legs, and it's fucking disgusting. And that's not even the only occasion when the show is this I'm, disgusting. I'm actually- argue the next instance is worse yes i completely agree because they decide to well eventually through this a conversation they have they find out that oberon is very unhappy that she escaped and take her to take her back to her cell they decide we're gonna walk back with her not teleport because then we can spend more time with her okay ew but ew then there's another scene later on where oh no mike you've missed my favorite part oh what's your favorite part so they've got the screen with the logout button right there, but oh, she just can't quite reach it. But what <laughs> yeah, she what can said. do is with her legs, get the <laughs> Cadmin card out of the machine without them realizing it and take conceal that. But she couldn't hit the button. No, not at all. No. <laughs> well, you need the manual dexterity to like extend fingers and stuff and she doesn't clearly doesn't have that so but she can she has the dexterity for a card but not for oh totally different using no, totally different as well ah <laughs> I, I, I hope kirito's in defeat is all i'm saying <laughs> he's in for a good time because <laughs> yeesh but then there's other scenes with oberon where he's trapped in the cage with her i say trapped in there he's not trapped she is and he's like He's like just around her and he starts to like undress her and stuff, being like, hey, you won't do it. You're too scared. You won't do nothing. And then she's like, okay, please stop doing that to me. Clearly scared about the situation. And he's like, what are you doing? I was only kidding. Haha, <laughs> JK. Like, what? No, what the, the fuck? Even worse than that almost <laughs> is the fact he's like, oh, yeah, all right. I'll stop because I'm such a nice guy. Yep. Yeah. It's like, no. no. Like, they they really wanted to pile on this guy being evil, and they just didn't need to. They turned the ham-fisted evil dial up all the way. Like, they turned it up to whatever's above a million. Yeah, he is an absolute evil creep, and the show will take every opportunity to make him the most lecherous, revulsive person you could be. Yes. And like, it's so disgusting, and it's so uncomfortable, and it's... And I understand the idea behind doing this the idea is to make him so unequivocally evil that we have a villain that needs to go down he needs to die there's no nuance in it whatsoever but the first arc didn't need that it didn't need it because it understood what its stakes were and yeah when it turns out the villain knew didn't like either didn't know or didn't care what he was doing by the end of it even though that, the stakes were still clearly defined, and they were still clearly a case of if you die, you die. That's serious shit. And then the fact that he's pulling the strings behind the scenes on top of that, that's pretty evil. Like, on top of everything else, that was already pretty evil. Because this arc doesn't have those same stakes, 
they've decided, right, we need to replicate and improve on that level of evil. I know, what's the evil, most evil thing in a world a person can do? Rape. So let's do that. That is a irresponsible usage of the one of the most traumatic things that can happen to a person. Especially because they just walk it off afterwards. And it's like, no, that's not how that happens. People who have experienced this experience trauma on a level which this thing is not comfortable interacting with. And that is so egregious and so abhorrent. It finally gets to like this final scene. Which... Before we get to the grand finale, do we want to just talk about the Kirito side of things a little bit and his journey? Just because there's a bunch of, well, there's a whole bunch of stupid things, but I know, like, and obviously I'd... far be it for me to stop Phil from having a rant. I mean, sure. Because the whole final dungeon section is just stupid. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, the last dungeon that is unclearable, but um, his strategy is overwhelm them with numbers so no one will ever notice. No, no, it's worse than that. Do you want me to just rapid-fire some bullshit at you? You know what, this thing's gone on for long enough, go for it. Alright. <laughs> uh, so, Kirito arc. So, they're trying to escape some salamanders, uh, Kirito and Leifa. But then a wall pops up. Sure would be inconvenient if they could fly or... It's established they can't fly in that area. Yeah, that is actually an anti-fly zone. Because they make the whole point that they can't fly over the mountain. Hence why they walk through <laughs> I the I don't caves. blame you for blacking out, honestly. It's so unimportant. I mean, there's no way they could like go around it or anything. No, definitely not. Yeah, exactly. But then uh, Kirito Fan uses his racial magic of illusions, which proceeds to then eat people. <laughs> so it is a tangible illusion. Kirito also tells us that he blacks out when he's angry. <laughs> which sounds okay. perfectly healthy. That's a red flag. <laughs> and Leaf is like, no, we have to go to this peace summit. I don't have any time to explain. And I'm pretty sure she's got time to explain. Yeah, like how long did it take him to get there? Because the, the whole point is Recon, a character we have not discussed. We, it's irrelevant. Is Sugu's IRL friend? Question mark? Simp, yes. And basically he was doing some investigative work and had been trying to contact her for a while, so she logs off to find out he's been calling her on and off for the last who knows how long and takes all 30 seconds to explain what's going on. <laughs> so yes, she had time to explain what was going on. <laughs> but they rush to this piece summit, which conveniently is in the direction they're going anyway. I was going to say, because they do make a point to be like, oh, no, you should go because that'll take time away, but it's in the same direction. It's it is, yeah, they're, they're heading towards the Yggdrasil tree still, so who cares? But then you get a fight against this army of salamanders, including this big bad general who's like one of the strongest players in the game, and he's got the most bullshit sword. <laughs> he does, yeah. It's a sword, and when he attacks with it, it can't be blocked by a shield or a sword. Which are like, that and lances are the only things we've seen in the game. Until it does get blocked by a sword. Oh yeah, until but, but, Yeah, but it's basically, ah, so he swings and you've got to take the hit or dodge. Got it. Great. But then, yeah, Kirito beats him by dual-wielding. Even though he can't dual-wield. Even though he can't dual-wield, but then he conveniently stops dual-wielding as soon as the fight is over. But it's fine, because, you know, Kirito shows his excellent poker skills by saying he always raises when he's calling a bluff. Uh, the the raise reference is because he makes up a lie about I'm representing an alliance between two other races, so if you fight us, that's four races you'll be... 
yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I understood the the analogy he was going for, but it's like Kirito, that's not how poker works. You're a shit poker player. <laughs> Don't go to Vegas. No, he's a gamer. He knows all the games. I'd be blind. If he went to Vegas, he'd win. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he would somehow use a sword. I don't know how he did that. Aha! <laughs> uh-huh. I have the Ace of Swords. No, no, you're just robbing people at sword point here. <laughs> Although, speaking of Vegas, we learned Kirito is mega rich. It's that SAO bucks, yeah. And just gives all his money to this new alliance instead of, you know, buying good gear for himself, because apparently he's got shit gear, we're told. We're told. It's all the gear he uses, but... Imagine if he actually had good gear. Probably actually be able to clear that final dungeon. Imagine, imagine if he had two swords. <laughs> yep. Basically, everything that Kirito is involved in is set up to be like, even though he's literally never played this game before in his life, he is the best at it. Yeah. And don't forget, the two leaders of those races, the alliance that he saves, are both women who then both immediately start cuddling up to him. Yep. Like pressing up against him. To be fair, I take that less as their joining the harem, so to speak, more. They they are trying to seduce him to their side. But they still join the harem. Yeah, sure. Everyone joins the Kirito harem. <laughs> you think you're not in it? Then too late. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but they, fin- they finally make it to Ald, Eld, the-, the final area. You know, it's only taken nine episodes or something like that. On the one hand, I do appreciate the fact that they do, by doing this, make the world clearly be massive. On the other hand, when you just want to get to the end and very little is act- of substance is actually happening. I was going to say, this, this is the problem. Like, There's a very clear goal here, which is save Asana. And everything between Kirito starting the game and getting there is just him traveling to the city, basically. And it's like, it's, there's nothing of consequence, really, that happens on the Kirito side of things, beyond the fact that he's getting along with Leifa and then, oh no, how could we have known that we were actually brother and sister? Oh my god. Oh, That's a stupid, stupid. He gets to the city, Yui's like, ah, I can sense Asuna, Bubba, and Kirito gets <laughs> mad and starts <laughs> flying up. This is the... I've got a rant about this. <laughs> like five seconds after Leifa, Sugu, tells us that, you know, after the people that found the picture of a sinner who did some bullshit of stacking on top of each other. Oh, oh my god, up. that bit. So I've got no problem with them doing like five player stacking. That's genius. The fact is, that firstly implies, because they say the flight limit is 10 minutes, that apparently this tree is like a fucking hour high, which isn't right in any way, shape, or form. And then they also went, man, well, that's why five got us. Why don't we just, like, Yes, get why don't you just stack a shit ton of people up? Or... Before they pa- because they do say that GMs panic and patch it. But before then, why would you not have, like, 20 people? Why not just stack everyone on yeah. their shoulders? <laughs> but, yes, we find out that, you know, the devs saw this happening, panic patched in a invisible ceiling. And, you know... Kirito finds this out just before learning as soon as right above him and proceeds to fly into said ceiling because he believes he can... I can believe he's blinded by grief slash rage. Yes, sure, but it's just... It's just... This is Kirito Hackman's. Like, he should know an invisible wall is... It's not... It's the fact that he goes... He's... The one thing that is clear and established throughout this entire arc, 
is that this tree is massive and one person can't fly up to the top of it because it's so big and there's a, there's a time limit on your flying. And then we, found, we find out before that there's this invisible wall. So there's this extra layer of defense on top of it. In that moment, he's like, no, I will fly to the top of this thing. And then just proceeds to smack his face against this invisible wall like a bug trying to escape a window for like God knows how long. Like, my dude, you weren't going to make it even without that. But it's fine, Mike, because Yui manages to, like, kind of talk to Asuna one-sidedly. Yeah, in emergency mode or something stupid. Somehow. Yeah, yeah. it seems like, man, if only there was something I could drop as she is surrounded by flowers. But it doesn't matter because, conveniently, she's got the next best thing. <laughs> a GM access card, <laughs> which conveniently falls right in front of Kirito. Yep. <laughs> yep. Very conveniently and quite lightly as well. I might yes. add. Uh, yeah, just delicately. Think. I know it doesn't get stuck on the other side of the barrier, so apparently it's only a one way barrier. <laughs> yeah. Don't be wasting that processing power on two way barriers. <laughs> but then uh, Kirito's like, right, cool, that's it. Just got to clear the final dungeon now. That Clearly she's there. It's like, yeah, sure. And then this uh, big reveal of like, ah, oh, we're brother and sister cousins. To which. Suga's like, no, I've got to log out, which bothers me. Yeah, it established in a previous episode that you can't just do that as well. No, no, they play loose and fast and loose with the logout rules, because sometimes you can just log out and vanish, and then sometimes you log out and your avatar just goes to sleep. They established before, you can log out, but your avatar sticks around. Sometimes. So the whole point is, when you're out in the open, you need to have people looking out. And here she just logs out and is gone. I can only assume it's if it's in a safe area you get... Well, no, because they do it... Uh, no, because there's a whole thing know. about having to go to inns and things. What, you mean this this show being inconsistent? Whoa. I know, right? <laughs> I know, right? But now we get the whole, oh, the confession scene. Oh. So there's uh... been this whole underlying thing with him and his not-sister where... She is essentially in love with Kirito because she found out years ago that they weren't actually brother and sister. So, and that somehow equates to my brother that's been my brother this whole my whole life and has therefore never developed any further than that in familial feelings. I'm in love with that boy now because he's Kirito and everyone needs to get on Kirito's dick ASAP. And then this person, who is very much like Kirito, appears in the game. But then she... Meets this guy called Kirito in Alfheim, and is like, "Man, he's a he's a pretty cool guy. I'm just going to fall in love with him instead." <laughs> yeah, it's just a it's just a very odd choice. Like, yes, I get it. They do the "we're not related by blood" fucking line. Like, no, we can't do anything. We're brother and sister. No, we're not. I've known for ages that we're not brother and sister. That means we can fuck. Ugh, it's such a tired trope because. If you, I don't, like, I don't care what anyone says, if you grow up believing that you are brother and sister and having that familial bond, you do not suddenly, just because it's suddenly okay, you don't develop feelings. <laughs> you don't your... suddenly go, oh man, let's fuck. Let me, let me paraphrase that, Mike. I hope you don't. <laughs> sure. Like, I, I, I really hope you don't... <laughs> I don't. I hope the only thing stopping you wasn't the stigma. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Because, good God. And, like, yes, they're not related. This is technically okay. I just don't know why you'd fucking write it like this. It's so strange. 
And yes, they're cousins, and cousins is fine, I guess, but... What's worse, right? You could have actually done this story. I mean, you could have made it a lot easier and just said, he's adopted. Didn't want to do that, or she's adopted. Didn't want to do that. One of them is, right? I think Kirito is adopted. I don't know if he's actually adopted, but yes, Kirito is actually the son of the mother's sister. The point is, you could actually do this story. You could do a story where they're not in love in real life, because that's just weird, but she falls in love with him in the game without somehow without realizing who he is, and then he, she finds out at that moment that they are actually brother and sister, which makes her, you know, physically sick, logs out, and then they have this entire scene where she's like, I thought no one would ever love me, and then I thought I was falling in love with this person in game, and it turns out it was you. And you could still have the tearful oh no moment. It would be a little awkward, but you could you could have it. But they decided to have her love him in real life as well, and it just makes it gross. Especially because she definitely should have been able to figure out it was him in the game. <laughs> the thing is, I don't even get... Like, I get, because it's narrative bullshit. Like, oh my god, everyone wants to jump in Kirito. But I really don't get why also she fell in... Like, because... It's implied that before SAO, they weren't close, it's implied. Yeah, I mean, it's not even implied, it's straight up said. Yeah, so, like, what happened in those two months? Because he's also not been so that he loves this other person. So why does she suddenly be like, yeah, I want to fuck him? Well, she actually says in the last two months, like, they've gotten a lot closer, and she wishes that he'd just stayed a jerk to her so she didn't feel this way. Oh, my God. Like, yeah, it's fucking incel behavior. If she'd played SAO, she would have seen that side of him. <laughs> it's fucking... Well, no, she's, she's played uh, Alfheim with him, so she's seen that side of him. <laughs> the winning side. That's all he ever does. Uh, and then the shittest final dungeon in the world, because of course he tries to solo it, because of course he does. <laughs> yeah. The, th- the thing is, though, why, why can't he just solo it? Like, I know why he can't. We'll get to that in a minute, but this dungeon looks like a piece of piss the first time he <laughs> enters it. Like, like, we're led to believe, like, oh yeah, you need a huge army with Top class gear and blah blah blah. He walks in by himself, and I again I know he's capital G game Makirito, but he he puts in a pretty solid effort for a first attempt at the end dungeon by himself with only one sword. I would point out. Yeah, I would also like to point out this is not a final dungeon, is what as in what you're expecting until this point. Throughout all of Sword Art Online, it's actually been like a a proper like video game dungeon type situation like something essentially what you'd be expecting this is a tube <laughs> it's literally a hollowed out tree it is a cylinder which has enemies flying enemies spawning around the perimeter basically yeah, that's all it is and there's like no strategy involved here the whole point is that it just overwhelms you with sheer numbers cuz it's not meant to be beatable and because of that, the door at the other end doesn't open when they eventually do get there. Because of course they do. Why would you put a door there? <laughs> Why even put a dungeon there at that point? Well, no, you need, you need the carrot. <laughs> yeah, sure. Why, why put any of these secret mind experimenting lab anywhere in the game? It's for the same reason that there used to be a GM island in, War- in Warcraft. <laughs> no, that, that I can kind of understand. Horribly secured, but the point is, you if you need an area like that, by all means have it. There is no reason to put your super secret brain experimenting <laughs> lab on a VR MMO server. Stick it somewhere else. 
Kirito dies, and we're showing once again that there's no penalty for death because Leafa, quote unquote, runs in and well, flies in, I suppose, and rescues him and revives him. And that's when they have their whole heart to heart. Sure, that. And, and then they have a duel, and then they just stop the duel. Then, then and they start just, you know, they, they, <laughs> drop, they drop their sword from a great height over a city because, you know, that can't be wrong. That's at all. not even like the worst part. It's the fact that Kirito said, I didn't know how to make it up to you, so I was going to let you win. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you so bad. Oh my god, this fucking guy. <laughs> I would be livid in that situation. If I was somehow in that situation and they let me win. Oh, special place in hell. Oh, that is the ultimate insult right there. Like, I was going to let you win. Fuck you. How about that? But it's fine, it's fine Mike, because they've reconciled. So now they're going to go beat the dungeon, which Yui has just told them is unbeatable. No, it's okay, because he's not doing it solo. He's doing it with Leifa and random-ass McGee over there. <laughs> the simp boy. And he uses a self-destruct spell, which has worse penalties than dying normally. What, what, are those, what are those penalties, though? It does clear a chunk of enemies, but then... Because, you know, he's a guy who isn't Kirito, it's all for naught. Yeah, pretty much. Like, literally, they just immediately refilled the area. It's like, well... But it's fine, because then that, that alliance that was so incredibly relevant earlier appears because of all the mega books Kirito threw at them. Oh, this is another stupid thing. When he leaves that fucking peace summit, they're saying like, oh yeah, we're going to go tackle the world tree in a couple of days. Oh, I can't wait that long. It takes him at least two days to start clearing it himself. I mean, yeah, there's that. To be fair, I think they say it's going to take them like a few weeks. Got to gear everyone up as though that takes time. So stupid. He could have just gone with them. Fuck. Even in, even in Sword Art Online, he did it with a raid. <laughs> Why has he suddenly got to do it on his own now? But it's irrelevant, Mike, because let's be honest, they do fuck all as well. Yeah, they do nothing as well. They provide enough distraction, I guess. But it's fine because, you know what? Leifa and Kirito are like finally working together and Leifa's like, hey, take my sword so he can dual wield again and clear the dungeon. Because... Why does he just dual wield all the fucking time? And he gets to the door, which is not a door. Because, of course, it's not a door. Why would anyone think that would be a door in an unbeatable raid? It's a tree anus, is what it is. A sealed shut tree anus. It's fine, because uh, Yui, who after establishing she can do jack shit, proceeds to take the GM card and be like, Sup, I've, I can now do everything. She, she opens up this door which teleports them to the super-secret brain map, and then proceeds to start making holes in walls. Yep. <laughs> it's a lot of, like, can we just move this along, please? It's, which is, frankly, keeping in theme with the end of the first arc. Like, we're getting near the end. Ah, oh, let's just do it. Yui establishes early on. She can do fuck all except guide Kirito, because she has access to the map, I guess, and reference data and all that sort of stuff. But she says, no, I can't do any gm -y stuff. I've not got permissions, and it's not how any of this works, and blah, blah, blah. And then she just looks at this card, which they've had for a few episodes at this point. And it's like, oh, yeah, I can, I can just, like, be a GM now. It was just a matter of access. That, that's all it was. Like, at this point, I'm willing to buy it just so we can get this shit over with. Because, oh, boy. 
Oh I'm boy. going to tentatively call this the final confrontation. As they finally get to Asana, she's free, haha. And then Oberon appears and is like, Hey, look, I'm a villain with a motive. Let me monologue my backstory. I mean, in the nicest way. Horrible, horrible person. Shitty motivation, but he has a motivation. He does have a motivation, which he's willing to share, I guess. Isn't his motivation just, God damn it, Kyber? <laughs> yes, he, he, th- there is that, but it's also he wants to fuck us. Yes, and he doesn't much care if she's into it. This is when he goes full rapist. Even goes so far as to say, I'm gonna, he chains her up in game, rips her clothes off. Gonna record this so I can fap to it later. No, no, no. So he can fuck her body in real life to it later. He's, he's gonna go to the hospital afterwards, stick it on the big screen while he's doing it in the nasty. Doing it in the nasty. Doing it in the real. <laughs> yep. I mean, it will be pretty nasty. And it's uh, like, mm, no, no. Yeah, no, this is all no. No. Uh, and it's, it is. I mean, this is a famous scene. It's absolutely famous because it is so disgusting and it's like, it's so reprehensible and there's no need for it at all. Do you know what else there's no need for, Mike? What is there no need for? A pain absorber setting. <laughs> yeah. We find out because, of course, he's got admin permission because he's the, the big cheese. And so he has GM permission. So he, he's got access to these special magics that no one has already. Gravity magic, which is pointless because, you know, paralysis is already a thing. But it's, it's a thing that he's got. And so a part of his GM permissions is he can access all the, the minor stuff behind the scenes, which includes the pain absorption system, which is currently cranked up to 10, which is, you know, maximum because you don't want to, you don't want your players feeling pain. That'd be silly. And then he starts to turn it down and straight up torture Kirito with it. So he's a rapist and a torturer. And a kidnapper. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not concerned about him adding to the list of crimes at this point. I mean, it couldn't get much worse at this point. Like, <laughs> sure. I don't think... Uh, no, no, Mike, he could, he could uh, kidnap, say, 10,000 people. <laughs> he could, and yeah, and sometimes have them kill each other, too. He's on his way to being like Kaiba with kidnapping 300 Why people. is there a pain absorber? I don't understand the pain absorber. I mean, how did that get through approval? Am I gonna... this, is, this is the thing, like, the implication is when it's at zero, we find out and a little bit later, you feel everything to the extent that it's probably damaging your actual body. Yeah, like it's, like it's straight up giving you brain damage at the very least, yeah. Because they said if it goes below three. Yeah, below, below three, you're likely to start taking actual damage to your body. But here's the weird... Why? Because it's not like the pain was there and they coded around it. They had to code the pain in first, and then a system to turn it off. Well, no, because I imagine the way it would work is so the nerve gear or whatever the new one is intercepts all the signals. So therefore, the default is you would feel pain. So you have to put in checks to limit the pain, which makes sense, I guess. It's just, why would that ever be a setting anywhere you could turn off? Yeah, like, why is that shit not just hard-coded? It, it would be a hard-coded, you can never go below this or above this much pain or something, I don't, I don't know. Like, I can kind of, to some bizarre extent, understand maybe you want a bit of a sliding scale on, on top of that, 
Yeah, like because maybe you want it to, you feel a little bit. Yeah, yeah, thing. like if you're if you're in like a super hardcore game, you feel more pain than if you're in sure territory world. But yeah, <laughs> in general, you should still not feel extreme pain in these systems at all. Because why the shit would anyone let that system exist? Well, why would they let them microwave people? <laughs> yes, exactly. But it's fine, because uh, Kirito starts tripping balls. He does start tripping balls. And he sees Kayaba. Yeah, who's he weirdly friendly with. Yeah. Weird. But they're mortal enemies, of course, but they're really friendly mortal enemies. They're not really mortal enemies anymore, is the thing. They're just... Because Kirito respects Kayaba. Oh, oh. I don't know why. He killed 4,000 people. Oh, wait, hang on. There's a great bit from uh, Kirito in the final, final episode. Where he's like, man, like, I could, like, kind of understand Kaiba, <laughs> but I don't want to be like him. And it's like, that's good, Kirito. I'm glad you don't want to be a terrorist. <laughs> you know, these terrorists have got some really salient points of view. I don't feel like killing anyone, though. It's like Kirito, the dude, dude kidnapped 10,000 people, murdered for them. Anyway, after, after tripping balls and having this conversation with Ghost Kaiba, because apparently he's dead we learn yeah he's like downloaded his brain he, or something. yeah he uploaded his mind to the internet frying himself in the process but uh after having that conversation kirito's like oh man yeah kaiba's great do you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna log in as heathcliff <laughs> by yeah. saying log in as heathcliff yeah which gives him elevated permissions more so than sugawa over on yeah so, okay, I get what they were going for here. I get that the idea was that Oberon Man, he built everything on top of the SAO framework, and Heathcliff's login was still there, and in that conversation with Kayaba, he essentially gave him access to his account, I guess. And that was how he's able to access Heathcliff's account, which, because it was there first, is like the admin permission kind of thing. No, no, it's not how any of this works. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's kind of the problem here. First thing you would do if you got the SEO data, clear out the admin. You'd clear out the admin, yeah. <laughs> Secondly, you don't just get to say, I want to log in as this person, and you log in as them. You need to <laughs> yeah. authenticate. Two-factor authentication, man. Come on, it's 2024 no, no. at this point. One-factor authentication. <laughs> you need a password. Man. You need a pa- yeah. You need a password. Or yeah, in this case, you could quite literally have the biometrics. You could have the brainwave as the authentication. No, he just says, "I want to be Heathcliff." And it's like, "Oh yeah, here you go. You're Heathcliff, probably." Yep, and he essentially strips Oberon's permissions. He summons him a fancy sword, and like, because that's what Oberon tried to do beforehand. F- summons the sword for him. He's like, "Oh, it's a legendary sword. You can have it now. Fight me, even though I just set your level to level one." And yeah, it's also like, why, why even bother with fighting? He sets the pain absorber to zero before they start fighting. It's so fucked up, though. And then he's like, "You know what? I'm not going to murder you. I'm just going to torture you a bit." It's not even a bit, and it's oh, fucking hell. And like, this is murder. I don't, I don't care. Like. If the point is you're taking actual damage when it goes to three, he slams that shit to zero, and then he does some of the most graphic violence I've seen in a while to this guy. Like, they don't filter it at all. He, like, cuts him, cuts body parts off him, cuts him in half, picks him up by the hair, throws him in the air, and impales him on the sword that he's holding. 
Oh my god. <laughs> Shit is graphic as fuck. Especially considering the only violence we've seen so far is clearly technological based. So it's like people taking like like red lines drawn across people, but they've got like scan lines and stuff in there, so it's clearly like that. This is like full on bloody violence. And oh my god. And like this is this man's feeling this in real life. Presumably zero means that you feel it. So he feels himself getting like cut in half and impaled. Like fucking up. Like this dude sucks. No, like I've got no sympathy for this man. But Jesus Christ. And like, honestly, I think the worst part of this is that before he says this, this is after Kirito has all his admin permissions and shit. He talks to Asuna, who is chained up, half naked, like literally just was mid-rape scene before this happens. And he says, hey, do you mind hanging there for a little while? I need to do this to this guy. Fucking at least delete the chains or give her clothes or something, you ass. Like, it's not like you're in a rush at this point. <laughs> Fucking hell. Like, no, I need my final battle, my confrontation. I need my hero heroism. What an asshole. <laughs> like, no one's good in this scene, apart from Asuna, who's just a victim through and through. <laughs> Which is especially galling, considering that she was one of the most powerful SAO players. Ugh. It's all gross and egregious and it's just excessive. Excessive is the word. I, I definitely think that. It's so unnecessary. But we get through all that. Soon as free. Yay, huzzah, it's over. Kirito pedals on over to the hospital on his bike. <laughs> his past dumb. <laughs> where Sugaro is there waiting for him in the parking lot and tries to murder him. He, just, he tries to do a straight up murder. Yeah. Straight up murder. And then Kirito's like, Ah, but what if I murder you? And then he does a straight-up murder. And I was going to say, to be fair, again, I should stop using that term. It's not to be fair, but you can see like the things Mike mentioned about him being, you know, mentally fucked from being killed virtually. <laughs> you can, yeah. He says like he can't see well out of his right eye because he got stabbed through there. He's, oh, dude is I think fucked one up. of his arms is a bit janky. Yeah. Like, dude is fucked. <laughs> But luckily, as we know, nobody works at hospitals, so um, <laughs> no. they're fine. No, no one notices this fight going off in the parking lot. In front of the emergency entrance, yeah. Famously, no one looks out there. Then, you know, if we get to see Asuna, looking pretty great for being in a coma for over two years. Like, honestly, I might try it. It looks like it's good for your health. And, you know, in the, let's say, half an hour it's taken Kirito to get there, apparently her parents haven't turned up. You know, something you would think Perhaps they would have rushed right over with the hospital calling them. When Super rich daughter... to probably have like a helicopter or something. Yeah. Yeah. But no. I could only guess he's on a business trip or something. <laughs> but standard anime parent behavior. Yeah. Who knows? We, we, we get some lip service to the police wrapping everything up, being like, yeah, we, we arrested him. We arrested some other employees who confessed to everything, blah, blah, blah. The VR MMO genre is dead. But, but it isn't, though. But it isn't because <laughs> Kaiba had one final parting gift for Kirito, which was the seed. Yes. An unfortunate amount of seed was attempted to be shared in this movie. Uh, this show. Why? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, after having a shot of Kirito and Asuna at the SAO school, the school for people who are trapped in SAO. Yeah, which is a little silly, but sure. I get that. And it's nice that they do finally pay some lip service to, you know, post SAO. But yeah, Asuna's like, oh, but Kirito, and Kirito's like, no, no, you're not allowed to use character names in real life here. That That's in bad taste, and it's like, people might find out who you are, and it's like, 
this is for the SAO people, Kirito. Everyone already knows who people <laughs> yeah. are because your appearances were set to your actual appearances. It's real fucking stupid. I don't know if... I, I don't mind the epilogue episode because then it goes through like a whole welcome back thing. You get, and... Yeah, you get like a little celebration. You find out Kirito gave the seed to Agil, who uploaded it to some server because apparently the seed is actually a way to let other people make their own VR MMOs. And what could be wrong with letting literally everyone make a VR MMO? I mean, in credit, it is a way to get around how the VR MMO genre didn't die. Sure, it is about the only get-out-of-jail-free card you could do to that genre. Just it is, it because, masses. yeah, <laughs> when you've had two major controversies around people getting stuck in it. In the only two that have ever existed, yeah. They're not the only two VR MMOs that existed. They do make a point where they say there are like five or six. Okay. It also says, they were also likely to die after what happened it with does, Alfheim yeah. because, funnily enough, two big incidences, both in the VR genre, made people go, yeah, maybe not. Maybe you put a lid on this shit. Yeah, fair. And yeah, then they get this whole bit about the seed actually let them rebuild Einkrad in Alfheim. Yeah, online, and so. you get to see some surprising returns at the end as well. Like, I think the random couple from the UE episode are back as well. Yeah, I mean, they're just like in the background, but yeah. And there. I think Kirito pays lip service to Sachi at the end. I think that was what that was meant to be rumored to be. Because he, he says something without talking, and I think that's meant to be Sachi. Oh, uh, right. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't know what on earth that was about. It's just like. I think it was Sachi, is what people said at the time. Eh. Eh. Whatever. It's a, it's a fairly... It's a fine ending, but considering what it came after... I'm not sure why they're all so willing to throw themselves back into Aincrad, even if there are no death penalties, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's all a bit weird. Stockholm Syndrome, maybe? I don't know. This seed is creating all these VR MMOs, but they're all compatible with each other, so you can move your character data from one VR MMO to another one, and it's like, no, 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 <laughs> no... I got no problem with that. That's fine. Uh, I mean, I have a lot of problems with it, but fuck, man. If that's one of the lesser ones. <laughs> it is one thing, one final thing on a long list of horrific inconsistencies and hand-waving across this entire series, which we have finally finished talking about. Yeah, I'll find. Just rip out about... All of it. Eight of the ten episodes. All of it. Don't. You have one episode going, oh yeah, we escaped, Asna's still trapped in the game, I've got a trek across the continent, ah, there it is, I've saved her, the end. Why bother with that, just have Asna wakes up. Sure, you could yeah. as well, I guess. You could. Because this arc devalues her so much. So much. Completely strips her of everything. Just to, uh, some, somewhat literally, in fact. And it's, oh, it, it's unnecessary. So unnecessary. And Again, you could tell a story here, but the story they're telling is so meandering and useless. The story they're telling is the girl wants to bang her brother. brother. <laughs> yeah, it's it's ninety percent set up for a story that doesn't happen. So is is it much in the same way that the SAO story is just about Kirito and Asuna? The Alfheim Online one is about Kirito and Sugu. It's not really all that about saving Asuna. That is very much a side plot. It is very much an afterthought, even to like Kirito playing the game. <laughs> like, oh, I'll get around to it. I've already got a week. I've got a week. There's plenty of time. 
Which, yeah, just another random thought on a shit stick that is a... Yeah. Why did he wait until now to air quote marry Asuna? Why not while they were all still trapped in SAO? What? I'm pretty sure they did marry. He did marry Asuna. Not not Kirito. Oh, right, I'm with you. Oberon, man. Why why did he wait until now to be like, yeah... Underage, I guess? I don't think that's a problem. And as far as at the aware, end of SAO, she's seventeen. She is, but as far as I'm aware, arranged marriages with the consent of the parent, the age requirements are quite low, from what I remember. Because I believe that's one of the big things they are currently looking to change. Because the writers hadn't thought of them yet. The writers didn't think of a lot of things, and they <laughs> thought about a lot of things as well. But they thought about all the wrong things. They added details where. They didn't need to be details. It's not as not as bad as the manga, I guess. But... Not having read the light novels, but based off what we read with the manga, certainly with the SEO arc, they did the best of what they had. Probably, like they could have done better, but I think they did a solid enough job of stitching together some not brilliant storytelling. <sighs> Doesn't excuse a lot of the shit that happens in ALO, but like they gave it the college try. We skipped over so much of ALO because. To be honest, I think we could probably have skipped over a lot more if we wanted to. It's just not relevant. You don't know what's going to make the edit. (laughs) (laughs) It is honestly, like, I remember, just as I was watching ALO, a lot of it was just, why is this even an episode? Why? Yeah, so unnecessary. Because it is, honestly, Kirito's journey is literally, he travels across the world. And it's like, do we really need that? Much like the first arc, if you wanted to stretch this out into a whole franchise, and that's a wrong way of putting it, but you know what I mean, like, yeah, if you wanted to split it up into multiple seasons of Alfheim Online, you could have done that, and then you could have taken this detail that we got, spread it out over that, and then made it relevant as it became relevant. Not cram in all this world building, fuck around a bit, and then win. I think the problem is, all of the world building just also didn't amount to anything. Yeah, it goes nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. Like, they, they discuss that there's all these different races and go into the details of, like, what they're all good at. You encounter three of them, basically. Uh, four, if you count Kirito. Yeah. To be fair, he's the only one we see do anything in regards to his race, from what I remember. He uses his illusion magic. I mean, the, the salamanders use some fire magic, I think. Uh, they do. Is that their racial skill i, I assume know. they're called salamanders. i think it was implied they're strong like they're or a physical too, race I this, don't this know. is the thing like it establishes these are a thing but the only one we really know is kirito gets illusion magic which he uses once and it's very clearly not an illusion yeah this series is like both arcs of this are an absolute masterpiece of having so many ideas of which you could do so much with and then writing nigh on the worst possible stories you could possibly do with all of them yeah cut out all the horrible shit that they put in there for no reason and add a bunch of stuff that you're doing with this information it's like yeah the setting is great the narrative is shit <laughs> like i don't like really like the aesthetics and stuff of the alfheim area but you could it's a world that they've definitely thought about which you could definitely do something with and they do it they do come back to it later in the original run of the series. Oh, no. Do they just start looping through the arcs from the top again at one point? Not exactly. Um, at least as far as I've watched the original series. 
you do Sword Art Online, you do Alfheim, then they go to Gun Gale for a little while, which is a, like a Modern Warfare-esque type deal, and then they go back to Alfheim for a little while, and they do a bunch more episodes in Alfheim. Oh, shit, okay. It... <laughs> That's the thing. My memory of those, and we're not reviewing those for the show, so I won't dwell. Jesus, no. <laughs> but my memory of them is they don't even flesh out the world all that much in those episodes. Like they don't use any of the information they took, they gave you in this first part. If I remember correctly, it's literally just a group of people walking around questing. Like it's essentially just a load of one-offs, a load of one-shots, and it's it's none of the shit we learn is anything close to relevant. Oh man, did he write like a side story book for Alfheim after? I, like, I feel like, like this, this is a bit of a theme with the SAO. Here's a bunch of ideas. Here's, I'll here's a to not use premise. any of them. <laughs> All the actual flesh is in these side stories and totally irrelevant to the actual plot. And the actual plot is maybe like two episodes worth of anything. Yeah. It is a disappointing series. And like disappointing is being kind. Because it has such potential and squanders it at every opportunity with lackluster storytelling, terrible characters, and just awful, awful, odd choices in where the story actually goes and what it chooses to be relevant. Disgusting through and through. And I don't I don't get it. Like I I suppose there is an element of people out there who appreciate this kind of thing this kind of story these kinds of characters but it's like is that enough really is that enough to build this level of mega franchise on because that's worrying for the world we live in because this stuff is not acceptable as far as entertainment or justification talking to people or justification in character development like none of this is okay and it just gets worse. Like it starts great, starts with such good potential, and just goes downhill until it gets to the bottom of the hill, and then starts digging a tunnel. Because fuck, I hate that this turned out badly. I really do. But like with every episode, it just gets worse or more boring. Oh, it was a struggle to actually finish this. Yeah, it was. Like I got to a point yesterday. I think I watched five episodes in a row. And then I literally just stood up from my PC. I'm like, I gotta go lie down. <laughs> it, it fucking <laughs> killed me. Because I was just like, I, I can't get through this shit anymore. I, I think the thing was, I said it in our Discord. I was like, oh man, I finished SAO. <laughs> that's, that's the good news. It's like, I finished SAO. That's the, that's bad, the bad news. news. <laughs> yeah. It is bizarre, bizarre how quick and how fast. This thing takes a distinct downhill when it gets to ALO, gets to the second arc. It's like, it's weird because it's not great at the end of the first arc, but you're like, okay, that was a show, fine. Gets to the second one and the immediate leaps in logic just make you know that this is immediately going to be an awful time. (laughs) And you're thinking, okay, well, it's stupid, but it can't get worse than that, can it? And you're constantly thinking that until the very end where it has a little bit of levity in this epilogue episode and it's just you're just left there just head spinning wondering how you got here because yeesh this is a very ham-fisted way to make sure you can keep writing more sao <laughs> yeah the le- leaves in logic are end to end why would you trust anything kaya gave you <laughs> yeah 
It is very much one of those shows. Like, this is very much one of those shows that is so bad that you can't help but notice the flaws. When the show is truly good, you're like, yeah, that was stupid. Maybe I had some bad things in it, but I had a good time, so I don't really care. Not in this. This is so stupid so often. You have no choice but to look at how bad everything is and really think about it and get to the bottom of, yeah, people in this world, there's no way they would trust him. There's no way they would let anyone anywhere near him or anything he touched. It's like, ugh. Well, it's like both Sean and I, we watched this when it was actually airing originally back in 2012. And we both hated it. Just about, I think the only reason we both kept watching it was because the weekly talks at the pub with other people is like, fucking shit. Why, why, <laughs> did it? why didn't she bend the finger? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you know, yeah. just, just fun to have a laugh at it. I did hate watching it. I don't think overall I hate the show, but I'll get to that in a minute. Sure. But I remember when season two was coming out, we were like, oh man, we should we should just both hate watch season two. It'd be a great <laughs> laugh. And then neither of us did because the thought of watching more NTO <laughs> was just a bit. I think I watched the first episode because this was when I did the first episode reviews of everything. And I just went, yeah, it's a show. Because it doesn't have the same hook that the original first episode has. So the first episode of Gunga is just, yeah. I will happily say that it is definitely uphill like it's definitely well, it has to be like we covered this in the last series it has to be not just because of how bad ALO is but because me and Phil both know that he does Excel World which is good so there has to be a transition point from writing this awfulness to Excel World well let's put it this way you know how the sister is like the will they won't they person oh from... I know it's Shinod or whatever her name is yeah the there's arc. another one of those except they're never going to get together because he's devoted to Asuna <laughs> Well, there's one in every arc, isn't there? I thought that was there the is, point. There is, yeah. Yeah, there is. Well, that is one thing I do like, at least. By the sounds of at least, having, you know, not read any of it or whatnot, is it is Kirito and Asuna. That is it. Mm -hmm. The harem, so to speak, grows and more people want to fuck Kirito. But it is always Kirito, Asuna. That's something, at least. At least she isn't just the only thing that's consistent throughout this whole thing. But yeah. Like, the big thing to know, I think, and this is just specific to the light novels and I suppose how SAO came to be in general, is that the only reason SAO got picked up was because Excel World won an award. And he was like, yeah, but can you publish Sword Art Online as well? And I'm like, oh, yeah, go on then. Yeah, that tracks. He wrote Sword Art Online like six years before Excel World. Like, he had. He, he did, yeah, this thing. He, he had time between them but that's the thing that was time desperately needed for him to learn how to write <laughs> yeah, yeah. And as we said in the last episode i think either me or someone else said like you write ten thousand shit words or whatever it is and then yeah you gotta put in your ten thousand hours exactly but uh yeah i was gonna say yeah so i guess yeah is there any other overall like do people want to give their overall thoughts now on sao obviously no usual questions in this one because Spoilers, it's a bonus episode, and we're going back to Trash Bag of Friends next time. <laughs> oh, wait, are we not the Trash Anime Friends anymore? But we had so much fun on this episode. <laughs> uh, straight up refusing to watch another 25 <laughs> episodes of anything for this. We will never be doing anime again. <laughs> this I have no problem doing awful. anime. Fuck no, me. no, 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 we only did the gimmicks once. We only did the gimmicks <laughs> once. <laughs> this was... I mean, on top of everything, I had to deal with the fucking Crunchyroll ads that wouldn't go away. Like, 
this was rough to get through because I'd watched it before. I knew it was bad and it was like taking medicine, you know, it's like, you know, it's not going to be great, but you got to do it. And the main problem truly with this, I mean, is all the physical sexual assault stuff. But the second main problem with this is it's so disappointing. It is from end to end, starts off great goes downhill and you just have to watch as wasted potential happens in front of your face. I don't hate the ideas that are at play. I just wish they played with them more because what we got was just a pile of nothing really, which just sad. It's sad and it sucks and it's painful that, you have to you feel the need to sit through it because by the time you've seen the good stuff you're committed now you're not going to stop now and you just have to sit and deal with it it's tiring to sit through this and yeah i know i watched it all in a relatively short space of time but i will say that definitely did not help it didn't help but it shouldn't feel this tiring even with that short space of time it shouldn't feel like you've had to work this hard to get through something. You shouldn't feel physically disgusted. I have watched literally disgusting anime. Like, I watched the Netflix dub of Tokyo Ghoul. Like, that shit sucks <laughs> at points. And it's actively gross at others. It's literally about people eating people. And I didn't feel disgusted by it. I didn't feel disappointed. I didn't feel like I'd actually wasted my time. It is rough that it came out this way, and it's all down to the choices that were made on the way. This is not an accident. This was not someone's attempt at making something. It just didn't work. It was chosen to be written like this, both the manga and the anime. And I'm just so drained by it because it could have been great. And it eventually became something great with Excel World. They used better ideas. They use the same ideas in a better way, I should say. And man, I don't know how this continues onwards. And everything, everyone about it is bad. Like every character, every plot point, complete missteps. Disappointing. I don't hate it because of that sheer potential. But man, never again. <laughs> never again. Again. Whew, those are my thoughts. Fair enough. I'll... Uh... I'll go next because I'm the mildest of us all. I don't hate SAO. I think it's a below average series. I think Aincrad drags it down a lot. Like if you just cut it off at the end of SAO, I'd probably say it's above average overall if you just literally only focused on SAO because it has so many interesting ideas and concepts, not just the core premise, but it consistently brings up or just drops these interesting things that you could think about or the system, like, for example, the, I've already forgotten what it's called, the cardinal system and all that stuff, like the murder mystery. Like, conceptually, there is so much interesting going on here. I like some of the characters, not Kirito and not the fact mm -hmm. that they all fall in love with Kirito. But, like, I've made no secret, I'm a fan of Elizabeth, for example. I think she's a fairly interesting character until she wants to jump Kirito's bone, like everyone. But yeah the as i said as i think i said earlier i love the world i love the setting the narrative they tell with it is 
so subpar and drags and sucks a lot out of it, which is a shame because the audiovisual elements of this anime as well are pretty dang good. Like, I think it's an amazing soundtrack. The visuals aren't, again, Shinkai levels, but they are pretty dang solid and help to elevate it a lot at times. I just... I, I wish we got a good shot of this and then I wish ALO just didn't happen because it's so pointless and retroactively damages characters like Asuna by just turning them into pointless damsels in distress. And combined with all of the totally... And that, like, SEO arc has a few lecherous scenes, as it were, but it's more lucky pervert style on the line rather than borderline rape. I really didn't need to see that kind of stuff just to make sure that you understand that this bad guy is a bad guy so i'm not i'm not planning on like journeying back into the world of seo or reading anymore or watching anymore he says having seen the movie ordinal scale a few years back which was pretty good but i feel like this is me now being like nah i'm, I'm done with seo i don't hate sao and i can see how it became much like the seed it references became the seed of the isekai genre that has now exploded into so many thousands of series and shows and mangas. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'll stick with Excel World. Maybe I'll try the Isolator someday and see if that also turned out all right. But um, I'm, I'm done with SAO after this, I feel. I can move on. I can put this piece of my past to bed. God, please. <laughs> so to take us home, Captain hates SEO himself. But loves Isekai. Phil, how do you feel about Papa Isekai? Please don't say that. Don't, <laughs> don't say Papa. <laughs> I went into this rewatch open-minded-ish. Like, I knew I was going to hate it because I hated it the first time around and I wasn't expecting that to change a great deal. But I thought, it's been a while. May maybe... I'll have some different opinions on them. And, you know, watching the first couple of episodes of SAO, I was like, oh, you know what, maybe maybe if it's not quite as bad as I remember, the first two episodes are alright, maybe I'll at least watch another season, see how that goes. And then the middle of SAO happens, and I'm like, I just don't care. And then Alfheim happens, and I'm just like, why is this happening? And it's just so much unnecessary crap going on. And then just general awfulness and just shoddy writing all over the place. And it's just, I just, no, I've no desire to even bother giving it that chance anymore. It's just done. I, I'm never watching it again. I'm not reading it. No, does not, does not make me want see how it goes from here even knowing it gets better it just nah it's a rough one that's for sure say so, like it it definitely didn't help we crammed a whole season of anime into a week it shouldn't be that draining though but yeah it, it was literally honestly we normally record at the weekend and the sort of talk we were maybe going to do it on saturday but then we didn't and honestly I was just relieved at the fact I didn't have to cram those last few episodes in before we started going. I was like, you know what, I'm just, I'm just going to take the day. I'll watch one episode instead of four or five that I had left to do. I was just like, 
I was happier for it. <laughs> and I appreciate that's because I was in Alfheim, mid-Alfheim at that point, and still with the most offensive episode come. But it was just, it was nice to not have to watch SAO. And just, ugh, no, never again. My sword art was good-ish, like good ideas. First couple of episodes, great. Last couple of episodes of it, pretty great. Villain motivations notwithstanding. <laughs> Whatever they are. Still existing. the most offensive part of that to me. <laughs> it's um, offensive. Well, because it's like, it's just insulting in a way. It's like, why, why even, why even? Why? Even? Why? And it's like, no, you, we, we don't know the reason. He doesn't remember. It's like, it, it's laziness and it's fine in a way. And then to be subjugated to Alfine. Nah. I'm, I'm good. I, I shall continue to read Excel World in peace, knowing that it is the superior series of his work. Well, there you go. And on that note, thank you very much for listening to this insanely, well, probably longer than usual bumper episode. Who knows how long it will turn out in the edit? Hopefully 10 minutes. But um, <laughs> Welcome SEO to Trash Anime is Friends. Bad. It's shit. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Oh <laughs> uh, dear. Yeah. Uh, you you know where to find us by now. I'm available at Slazer King. You can obviously stream Mike's amazing Twitch content, twitch.tv slash Bazekra. Follow him on Twitter at Bazekra to be notified the moment he goes live with new stuff. And watch his VODs on is it youtube.com slash Bazekra that'll get you there? Sure is, buddy. Sweet. So yeah, make sure you check out his stuff and donate and give him bits to make up for the torture I've put him through for these past few episodes. <laughs> uh, you could follow Phil at Phenaxkian. I uh, That's all I can really say on that one. Uh, <laughs> you can follow the Good. podcast <laughs> podcast as a whole at Trash Manga Cast. Obviously, subscribe to us on all the various podcasting platforms. Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher. Tune in, like, follow, rate, comment, subscribe, tell your friends. You know all that good stuff by now. We won't be doing anime again, but we will be back again at our next usual Thursday slot, 8 a.m. on the 14th of April, where we will be covering Shika Boys, not just the QT. Yes, it's our spring anime tie-in, but good news. It's, I mean, it can't be worse than than this. Wait for it. I mean, I've seen, I've seen, I've opened it up and I've seen the word in the description herbivore, which is already setting off alarm bells, but um, <laughs> can't be worse. Will I regret those words or not? Find out next time. I, you know what? I promise you, Sean. You promise you me. You, at the very least, will find it better. <laughs> oh, boy. Is it marriage at first sight? Because that would be no. great. Oh, well. Thank you again. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this April Fool's special. And we will see you in another realm of Trash Manga Friends next time for episode 52. That's right. We're almost at two years as well. Look forward to that. Goodbye, everybody! God, I need a shower. <laughs>